This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studio in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit shoptalkpodcaststudio.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 364 of This Week in Culture. I'm your host, Ant Wood, a.k.a. Trinidad and a.k.a. One Half of the Culture. And I didn't already cracked that can, but y'all know what it is when your man back, the can crack. And I'm in here with my brother, Jay. What up, though? What up, though? It's your man, Jay Johnson, One Half of the Culture, One Half of Everything. And I know what you're thinking. Finally, Uh-oh. my favorite podcast is spending time with me. What's poppin'? And this week, as promised, we are back to review uh, the the highly nominated, highly decorated um, Oscar hopeful American fiction starring Jeffrey Wright, Sterling K. Brown, Tracy Ellis Ross, and um, Issa Rae. Uh, Shit, what's Maxine Shaw, attorney at law? Um, God dog it, I am blanking on her real name, and I want to respect it. Erica, Erica Alexander. Yeah. Erica Alexander, respect to her. Um, yo, man, really, really good fucking film. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about this film. I think um, the conversation that we're probably about to get into is going to be real nuanced and going a lot of different directions because this film had a lot of different stuff in there, man, for us to uh, just kind of break down, tackle, and um, and get into. So before we jump into that, want to thank the listeners, thank supporters, thank everybody rocking with us week to week. Thank all the Patreon subscribers. Um, They was really tapped into that Vince Staples episode, man. Uh, Been getting a lot of really dope feedback about that. If you are not subscribed to the Patreon, go ahead and jump in there. Uh, www.patreon.com backslash This Week in Culture so you can catch them Vince Staples. You've been seeing the comments? Yeah. Yeah. On socials? Yeah. It's about what I expect. Yeah. No mid-ground. Yeah. It's either either you loved it or you didn't. Yeah, and that's kind of where it's at. Um, and again, I similar to what we was just talking about before we turned the mics on uh, with the Tyler Perry joint, with the Vince Staples joint. I really just feel like among black audiences, black creatives are either gonna be loved or hated. Ain't no in between. Ain't no, ain't no. It's okay. Well, shit, creatives. Period. Yeah, yeah. But I'm talk. I'm talking about black creatives when we create and what the black audiences think, right? Um. We love it or we hate it. We it's always kind of like you on two different sides. Creatives, period, which is what this movie is about. Because again, you either gonna make some shit that you think black audiences respect, or you gonna make some shit that white audiences want to hear from you, man. It's it's just it's a lot of conflict as a black creative out here, bro. Yeah, I think it's because we be trying to be black creatives mm. instead of just being a creative, mm-hmm. and we trying to match a. Um, a skin tone versus a intellectual class or or, or or interest group, right? And we will lump everybody who black. Mm-hmm. Oh, you black, you from the city, you think this way. And no, we don't. Well, that's exactly what uh, what Monk in the movie deals with right off the bat, right? Yeah. Um, when he goes in to go see his book, that's a retelling of a fucking Greek mythology in the black section of the library or the bookstore like why this over here when this should be in fiction my shit ain't selling over here because it's not a black book about black people it's just written by a black author bro but because i'm a black author immediately black category and that's where it falls why you um so yeah this is a very nuanced conversation because i wonder who fought that is Mm. 
is because if I want to be acknowledged everywhere I go as, yo, I'm the first black that did this, the first black, well, fuck it. Let me give you a whole category. If anybody mm-hmm. want to find something back, black. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like your accomplishment isn't your accomplishment. It's a black accomplishment. It's like, nah, but I'm a black woman with a degree. Mm-hmm. I'm a black man who takes care of his kids. You're just a nigga with a degree or a nigga taking care of his kids. You know what I'm saying? But the reason it's nuanced because for so long, it was presented to us that because we were black, you weren't, you don't take care of your kids. Yeah. So now you got to, you overcorrecting and mm. overcorrecting. You come back from an injury or some shit on your left leg, then you'll try to overcompensate for your right leg and create another injury. Like, mm-hmm. so we overcompensate something in the past, something else ends up getting fucked up. Well, I think the overcorrecting and the overcorrectiveness is what the white people in this movie are doing, right? We mm-hmm. we trying to overcorrect for what we did to the cold crush. We trying to make sure that, oh, we've been hiding the harsh realities of what most blacks in America might have to deal with for so long. Now we want to push that shit, right? I got to show everybody. And it's like, yo, we living in an era where, yes, there are still tons of black communities that are you know oppressed and downtrodden and poverty stricken for sure but we also live in an era where there are more black millionaires than there have ever been in life there are more black six-figure earners than there have ever been in life there are more black uh mds phds all types like post-grad degrees than there have ever been historically right um more black women executives in uh corporate america than there have ever been historically but Regardless of the fact that we're no longer living in an era where all black people are oppressed and it's only a handful that have made it out because white people kind of missed the opportunity to to show it and help and put it in the media during that time. Now they're trying to come back and they've been in the corner and they overcorrecting. Let me ask you a question. Uh, and I've been trying to get this some thought. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt in your actual life or day to day life that you have been oppressed? Like, was there something that was like, man, I feel like the entire whatever, whatever, yeah. it's like specifically targeted me and specifically because I'm not talking about like, you know, I think this individual person is racist. Like, yeah. have you, I haven't. Well, I'll, I'll let you answer. I had a moment with um, a black woman police officer and her partner um, who was a Hispanic male. But she was kind of the lead, right? She was running the show. He just kind of had her back. He was the support officer. Um, at a moment with her where I felt like it didn't matter, because I was completely in the right, by the way. Um, didn't do nothing wrong. There was an error with a street sign, or rather two opposing street signs at the end of each corner. Basically, it was a sign down here that said one way, and the sign at the other end of the corner said one way, but one of them had been pushed the other way so I went the way Mm -hmm. of the first sign I saw but when I got to the other corner I saw that it was actually pointing in the other direction got pulled over for going the wrong way and without letting me explain like she came out I've never had that was the first time an officer ever drew a gun on me right um completely unwarranted uh me pointing at the sign she said I raised my arm too quick and she drew the weapon dog cocked ready to go and i'm like whoa i didn't like i ain't do shit and i'm 16 you know what i'm saying so that was probably the first time that i ever felt like yo it don't matter whether you 
completely in the right. It don't matter whether you unarmed. It don't matter whether you whatever. Police just don't like you. And in her case, and I don't mean this in no type of way, but I do think it has something to do with it. She was not only a black police officer, she was a woman. Yo, I got to over-fucking-do it, right? I got to overcorrect on this black man because I need to show him I'm the authority in this situation. Like, I'm not just a cop, but I'm a woman cop, and you're not going. And it was just, it was such a crazy moment for me. It's probably the first time where I ever felt like, yo, I'm just black in this situation. I ain't do shit else wrong, but be black. And it it wasn't a great feeling. Yeah. Now, growing up, broken in the hood and in projects and living in and out of motels and shit like that, I still felt like I had a dope childhood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that was never, like, a thing because I think that goes to kind of your, your upbringing and how you get raised, whether you actually look at your situation like it's some poor downtrodden shit or you whether you make be, the best out of it. You can be poor and downtrodden and not be impressed. Yeah. You just made yeah. bad decisions. Yeah. Or, or you got the, <laughs> yeah. and again, the shit broke the wrong way type shit. Like, yo, yeah. my first experience ever feeling like I'm actually in an oppressed situation or dealing with an oppressor I was 16. You know what I'm saying? I grew up. I didn't been through all the poorest that we had ever been at that point. Never felt that way till that moment I did, man. So I, I think that's, you know, even in this story um, with uh, with American fiction, as the movie goes on, we find out, yo, this man come from a family of doctors. Every nigga a doctor. Every person in my family is an MD. I'm a PhD. So this ain't necessarily a story about me being in some downtrodden black situation. This a story of me being out an outcast and non-monolithic within my family, right? I'm it's, the black sheep. It's so, I imagine, it's so frustrating always hearing about how fucked up black people are. Mm-hmm. And you come from somewhere and be like, nigga, I ain't fucked up. Like, bro. Like, this is not my experience. I'm from suburban Boston with a family of doctors, literally mom, dad, brother, sister. And then here I am. The one non-doctor, but guess what I am? A fucking PhD, nigga. I'm a... I'm a I, if I wanted to, I can flex and be a doctor. Could have gone and went that way. But I not, didn't because that wasn't necessarily my story to tell. And I'm not like that kind of doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Be, I'll be a, it's like when you're a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're a doctor. For sure. When you're a PhD, you're a doctor. You got your doctorate. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. don't let nobody have a heart attack, nigga. Clearly. Because <laughs> when somebody had a heart attack... He ain't know what to do, dog. But I don't know, man. It's just it's everything is uh is so nuanced. And mm-hmm. I was watching some videos this morning and shit. Uh, some political people arguing back and forth. Yeah. Um, about you know the black community and this and that and that. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this black community shit? Dog? Well, where is? Because like is it? I'm I me my personal self used to use that all the time. Well, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying in our community. What 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 the fuck is this black community? Shit? Yeah. I think one thing um, that this movie really showed and did a great job telling is um, that whole black people aren't monolithic. We need to be the ones that like believe that, right? Because because we don't we don't allow for black people to have different experiences, right? Even in a jovial sense, like Detroit. Detroiters are not monolithic, bro. <laughs> yeah, but if you don't got no yezo, come on, man. Like, what the fuck is come wrong on. with you? Come on, and dog. it's like, nigga, you from the city, and like a, a portion of it is just us playing. Yeah, but that has become the shtick has become real life, damn near. But and that's the thing, right? So even in a jovial sense, look at when I pull your black card. 
Yeah. Look at the shit that I pull your black card about. You ain't see this movie. You ain't see this. Uh, oh, TV you ain't show. black. You ain't never seen Mr. Side nigga. You ain't black for real. Oh, you don't eat this. You ain't black for and real. It's like, like bro. Right, what's funny nowadays, right? Not necessarily back in the day when most of our friends were our age, but nowadays where you have like pockets of friends who literally might be a whole decade younger than you. Nigga, because like when I was 10, I wasn't talking to nobody who was zero. But yeah. now that I'm 40, I might talk to a 30 year old person. They yeah. might not have seen Minister Society. Fam, nigga. When I, I, kids at work. Yeah. Because I call them yeah. kids, like, you 22 years old. I'm, Come I'll, on, bro. I'll be 42 in April. Like, 20 year difference. Like, one of the kids, he, uh, he's of Arab descent. He never, he was born after 9 11. Right? Yeah, okay. So we were having a, con- a couple, mm. a few of us were having a conversation about, like, Airports before, like when you used to walk with your parent to the actual door of the airport. Okay, yeah, like yep. to get I on the plane, yeah. rather. And when they got off the plane, like he was like right, right there. And then yep. like, nah, it wasn't a TSA, which word. was also mad safer for children, by the way, for sure. <laughs> like, because now you, it's damn near half. A, you might got to get on a train to get to the. We just had the whole story, uh, shit, a month or two ago, where a kid. Got fucking. He was on a flight to Florida or some shit, but then got put on the wrong flight when yeah. his parents gave him to the airport person, and they took him to the wrong gate. So it's like, you know, we got the the Black Detroiters page, right? Yeah, and uh, I know who runs the page and shit, and they're about ten years younger or so. Okay, uh, but a lot of similar experiences because they're, you know, what I'm saying like the Coogees and the this and that. Yeah, yeah. But like you a black Detroiter who's twenty two years old, fam, you don't you don't have any kind of connection to the yeah. Gators. You don't have no connection. era. You don't got connection to um to Jitten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't got con- con- a connection to like Furs or the Woods. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so Bro, shout out to Clay. We had a whole uh me and the homie Clay had a whole convo last night with another one of my bros about like woods and shit. Like now, right, woods are vintage yeah. now. You ain't you can't walk in the Cartier store and buy them right now. They don't exist anymore. You have to get them from somebody who has a vintage pair of wood. Like it's now crazy. They got the, bro. the new ones. Yeah, yeah. But that ain't they, that, that ain't what way, we talking about. That costs way too much money. Yeah, we we uh, ain't talking about that when yeah. we talk about woods. We talking about them old school boys. Yeah. But it's like to to think that something is vintage from like Two thousand, because it's crazy. The the woods, I the 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 vintage yeah. woods I got them for ninety eight. Yeah, uh, yeah, like yep. <laughs> nineteen ninety eight, and uh, I just got them. Like <laughs> I got a broken pair of woods right now that my mom literally um just asked me yesterday if I wanted, uh, because they she cleaning out old drawers and shit in my room at the house, and she like, what you gonna do with this Cartier box? And I'm like, no, nah, don't throw them. It's some vintage joints in there. Always say I'm going to get them cleaned up, right? Get them fixed. Get them. They just broke at the arm. It just needs some screws. But it's like, damn, dog. I've had them since 1999, 2000, bro. Man. And that's vintage. That's vintage now. So when I say what what is, where is this community? The black community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fam, we, when you say I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a Detroiter, I grew up on Seven Mile. Mm-hmm. When did you grow up on Seven Mile? Yeah. Because that's a totally different life. Facts. When there's twenty years apart, and then yeah. the, the people who twenty years ab- above me, yeah, like that's a totally different. So Detroiters are not monolithic. Yeah, Louisiana ain't monolithic. Facts. Uh, San Francisco, not wherever you from. And I just feel it'd be so weird sometimes when we expect all black people to like the same thing. We say, "Yo, this is good for your community." What is the community? Yeah. We don't live in the same area. We didn't go to the same schools. We don't speak the same language. We don't respect the same things. We are totally different 
people, the only thing that is the same for a lot of us is the skin color. Yeah. Um, well, we are, in most cases, black in tonality only. That's it. That's it. It ain't shit else black and similar about the experiences or the community that we have, right? Um, but we try to develop community around our skin tone. Nigga, <laughs> that's it. And it's like, dog, yes, yes, we may all have similar. You know how niggas be like, yo, it's like black people. We all did the same shit. I'm about to bring that up because there's so much nuance in yeah. that too because it's like, uh, you a kid from the Midwest, you had a very similar situation yeah, than yeah. a lot of other people in in physical and tangible things. Yeah. Right? Like, damn, nigga, you had that crock pot too? Yo, I had the same alarm clock. Oh, we all did this. Yo, we all played outside and drunk water from the hose and stuff like that. So a portion of that, it, it's like, yeah. But, like, on the interpersonal yeah. and, like, belief systems and, like, entertainments and stuff like that, it's just so different now, and, and it um, all get lumped under the same thing. When we say that, too, you also have to look at the the kind of community, if you will, that's saying it. Most of us, when we say that, are from the same era or generation, right? Same era, same generation. We all had the same experience. Same socioeconomic yeah, situation. This is what was going on with blacks in this area who were raised by parents or grandparents from this era who experienced this, like spankings who were all in the age range where they were still in an elementary yeah. school system that was relatively the same yeah. from this generator but like as you get older and you start experiencing other things you go into high school you yeah. go into college and everything by the time like a 14 year old or a 10 to 14 year old mm -hmm. and what we thought about life and growing up is drastically different by the time you're 24 yeah just yeah. just 24 right and like you a different person 100% um but that's the thing man we we lump the black experience the problem is twofold right we lump the black experience under all black people right and then in doing that we negate the fact that everybody black don't go through the same shit everybody black wasn't raised similarly shit it was people literally raised right next door to me are totally different than me nigga you get people raised in the same house look at this movie he wasn't shit like his brother he wasn't shit like his sister it me my brother and my cousin netta though similar in some ways we are three different people dog 100 like extremely different personalities yeah um, you know what i'm saying we have some of the same core values yeah but like we are three different people and we are it's just and we had three different places in lives at yeah. different points Rest in peace, my sister. Me and Kedra was completely different. I'm talking night and fucking day. Um, we weren't, <laughs> again, similar values, similar, like, you know, behaviors in a sense. But, like, I used to tell motherfuckers for real, like, yo, my sister thug, dog. <laughs> like, 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 this is a real street nigga, and I need you to understand she her life is very fucking different than mine. Um, and, and that's just what it was, bro. But it was like, you ain't understand till you've seen it. But then when you've seen it, you'd be like, how ain't y'all got to? And it's like, that don't matter, bro. A human is the most sophisticated computer system that you can, that can ever be created. Mm. You know? Mm. And to, to, that's like, if I come in here with a MacBook pro fully kitted out. Yeah. And then somebody come in here with a $150 Chromebook, right? 
on the surface, man, we both got keyboards. We both got screens. They just both, got computers. We can both go on the internet. Yep. Uh, I can go on YouTube. I can, you know, do a basic shit. Yeah, you can do what need to be done. Yeah. And it's like, look, we both we can we both computing. Fam, that's what it's almost like when you comparing just two random black people. Yeah. On the surface, oh, y'all niggas grew up you grew up in in uh in Columbus, uh Ohio. You grew yeah. you grew up in Detroit, man. It's not that dissimilar and even so much. Yeah, it's it's just it's nuances in that, right? So then where the conflict kind of starts in this movie, we are aware as black people of all the nuances that come with being black people and the fact that we aren't <laughs> monolithic and we aren't this and we aren't that. But other people <laughs> tend to kind of say, all right, you black, you represent Man, it, all blackness. Black people are so keenly aware that we're different because it's a whole bunch of type of niggas that you don't want to be. Man, man. You know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm never, I'm not trying to be the 40 year old in the club nigga. Yeah. Or I'm not trying to be the nigga who at 60 years old pulls up saying, yo, where the hoes at? Right. I'm not trying to be the pimp nigga. I'm yeah. not trying to be the drug dealer nigga. I'm not trying to be the college preppy. Like it's a whole bunch of different people that you grew up in your yeah. neighborhood. And be like, I want to be like that when I grow up. Yeah. Oh shit. I do want to be like, we know all these different personalities and everything exists except when it comes to like, I don't know, politics or 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 something. It's like, no, nah, we black. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the fucked up part because when when somebody not black or shit, even somebody black, when they come to you and say, We all most of the people listening to this have a nine to five, right? Yeah. Um Go back to twenty twenty, post George Floyd, post Ahmaud Arbery, post um Brianna Taylor. His birthday was like yesterday or something. Happy birthday, Tony, man. Um when you when you go back to twenty twenty and you look at how corporate America responded to all these black tragedies that were happening with the police and all these different instances happening. DEI. DEI literally was birthed. Diversity, equity, and inclusion was birthed from 2020, right? Most, like 99.999% of companies did not have a DEI department or anything representing diversity other than maybe a BRG um, that nobody really fucking fucks with. Other than that, prior to 2020, these things never existed, right? But then when they started creating this shit, all of a sudden, you went from being an employee to being a representative. Now you represent all black employees in this bitch. Now we about to hire somebody diverse to lead you this DEI group. You represent the company, uh, a black person and GM at the intersection <laughs> of, boy, the intersectionality. Oh, you got to uh, throw intersectionality in there. Um but it was funny. I'm actually already we uh, what twenty minutes into this pod. I'm already tired of saying monolithic and monolith because I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> but you niggas not like me, man. <laughs> dog. But this is the wild part is um once you become the representative for all things black, then they tell you how you have to be. You represent all things black, but I need you to be black in this way, right? So at the top of the movie, when uh when Monk is trying to have discourse about this book that has the word nigger in it. <laughs> he, he like, yo, they looking for some black titles. Man. Nigga, I'm black. It's a title. Written by, I'm, they looking for black books. And nah, I'm, 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 I'm black and I wrote a book. <laughs> but like when, when he discussed in the book that was on the, when he wrote the word or the title and it said nigger in it and that student had a problem yeah. and she like, yo, I, I just really don't understand why we have to have that word on the, on the whiteboard. And he like, 
oh, I mean, I think I spelled it too right. It's two G's in the motherfucker. Like, it's the word. Like, it is. And I think in the context of this book, I can write the title of this book out, even though it got the word nigger in it. And it's a class mostly full of white students. And then they told him, yo, I get that you're the black person and you should probably be the authority on whether it's okay to have that word up there. And you're the professor. But you know what? And a like, bunch of white people finna tell you you can't use that word. And it's like, that's the overcorrection portion. Come on, bro. Like, you know, this is also my struggle with the word nigga sometimes. Because mm. sometimes I want to say it, and mm-hmm. sometimes I don't. And, I mean, it is, I've gone back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've had lengthy and deep conversations with different people, and like, and sometimes I feel differently about it, and then sometimes I don't. And then, like, how you gonna police and tell me anyway? Yeah. But it's very it's very interesting. Is we we gonna we gonna say nuance a million times today because it, it. But that's what it is, right? And it's also I mean, um. I, I live as a nigga. I can put the, like you being offended for the fourteen minutes is on the board is nothing to me walking around society. As a so, as a shut up. But it's like yo to your point about being conflicted with the word nigga, um, the n word, if you will. It ain't that I necessarily want to say it. I just don't want you to tell me whether I can say it or not, bro. Like, and I'm like, like don't tell me you offended by my use of a word that was used against me, <laughs> nigga. Ain't nobody never called me a nigga, dog. Like a white person. Yeah, yeah, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, though I know it's been used against us mm-hmm. for sure, ain't nobody never called me that. Yeah. Like, I can hold on to everybody else. I don't know. It, it just... it. It's one of those point kind of point point yeah. pros and cons. Yeah. And when I'm when I don't want to say it, I'm trying to make a conscious effort to not say it. But when I say it, I'm not making a conscious effort to say it. Yeah, it's just it's almost and like, like I'm not. That's the other part too, right? Like with the word, I'm not trying to empower it. I'm yeah. not trying to make this some shit that like yo, let's go out there and like raise our fist and be like the greatest niggas in the world. But it's it, like I just I don't necessarily to your point. I, grew I don't up in feel the, what y'all feel. I grew up in the world where that was already in the lexicon. Yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, do you remember? I, I mean, we too young to actually remember, remember, but like. NWA or something? No. Oh. Like, the first time I heard it, I don't know that it was explained to me that this was like the word that they used to get it. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure I just heard it in normal conversation yeah. and being a child, you use context clue. It's like, um. I don't like this, but I like it at the same time. Okay. The yo, you got thirty seconds to say some cuss words. I'm gonna leave the room. Videos, yeah, just go off. Yeah, and some of that shit, it really be funny, right? Yeah. And they don't know what these words mean. Yeah. But they know how to use them in context, and they're using them, right? So, I saw somebody make a post today about uh, Janet Jackson album. I came out like 26 years ago today or okay. yesterday. And it was like, yo, I was, you know, in middle school or some shit when, when this came out. Yeah. And I thought I knew what was going on, but like listening to this shit as an adult, like I had mm. no idea. Yeah. I had that surface level and like, I probably shouldn't have even been listening to yeah. this. I feel that when I grew up with the N word is yeah. I knew what it meant, but as you get older, you get a, a, a different context of yeah. it. And I was like, all right, so do I stop it because I never started it because of this? Yeah. It just was a word. It was like motherfucker. 
I about to say it's like nigga. <laughs> it's a curse word. <laughs> like I've been cursing for like. <laughs> so it's like, yo, do we get rid of motherfucker? Do we yeah. get rid of bitch ass nigga? Because that's one of my favorite. Man, it's like the ultimate like sign of disrespect. I say bitch ass nigga in my head so many times every day, dog. What's funny? The reason that I say it like I I went double time on it because I used to always say it, but now I say it all the time. Is because of uh Bel Air on the on Peacock on that episode where his dad came, Marlon Wins, and they got into the argument. Yeah. And then when he get done going off on Marlon Wins and they get separated because they was finna thump, <laughs> that boy Will said, bitch ass nigga. And like I, now I say it just like Will said it because it hit hard in that moment because I'm like, yes, yo, that's my I, favorite phrase. When the homegirls put her daughter up and she was like, she wasn't, she did it and she said bitch ass nigga so much, dog. Wow. Like it was, she was like, and she was like testing the words out, like, yo, this is the first time I, I've never tasted anything like this. Like, <laughs> bitch. Dog. It's just it's oh, bitch ass nigga. But I remember that feeling. Yeah. Because I remember my cousin who's only a year older than me, mm-hmm. when I saw I saw him curse. I'm like, oh, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I thought that was like reserved for like a different one. So I, we might have created monsters this week on that on that social media challenge. Yeah, man. but they know those words. They understand it. They hear you say them. They use them in context. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what are we doing here? But it's it's wild though, because like again, no matter what industry you work in, right? Um, all these folks in 2024, we want somebody to be the diversity representative. We want somebody to be the inclusive member of um, our staff or our audiences or whatever. But we kind of want to tell you, you know, how to represent us and how to talk. So, hey, uh, Monk, go out there and teach this curriculum that you're teaching. But be mindful of the word nigger, though, because your students might be offended by that, even though it's a book that you're teaching in the curriculum that you ain't necessarily right. It got to be tough. Man. To... There isn't a word that that black people can't say. Mm. Really. Until a white person tell you not to say it. No, what I mean is yeah. like something that everybody says around you, something yeah. that's popular, but like, but you don't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you can't say it. Yeah. Uh, it got to be weird. And the people who say that you can't say it, say it all the yeah. time. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what that experience is. You know what I mean? Because like, it's like you, I can't say, if I can't say, damn it. Yeah, whatever the case, it's not an equivalent. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to make an equivalent. But, but it's wild to be told you can't say a word that only yo people can say. Like yeah. what? <laughs> like and, and 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 niggas say it so fucking cool too. Come on, man. Come on, man. And like we the arbiters of cool for the most part. Facts. And like man, that's just so cool. So because we can't say it. It's almost like, hey, yo, can you take it off the wall, dog? Because mm. if they start saying it, now you're going to yeah. have an attitude. Yeah. And now, so that'd be my conflict. Yeah. We'd be, we'd be so mad when they say it, but we won't start saying it to them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, since you did all that fucked up shit to us, this the one thing that we can hold over your head. Ah, I can't say it. Yeah. Ah, and it's wild, too, because, again, we don't, that opening scene where he was in the classroom was the only time that we saw him in his classroom, right? So yeah. we didn't get, I don't know why he was teaching that, but I don't know what he teaches you know what I'm saying? When I look at his writings, his writings ain't about black people. It's uh, reinventing Greek mythology and like changing it and reimagining it or whatever. So it's like whatever you teaching that made you want to teach curriculum from that, that book. It's hard for me to be like. I think he was should have chosen another book. I, I can't really remember it was about 
Man, about language or I don't know yeah. what it was about. But, or lit, because I mean, if we write, if we talking about writing them yeah. literary hey. devices and shit, that's a literary device. And like it's and it's a literary era, right? There were black authors using this word during that era because that word back then wasn't necessarily offensive. It was commonplace. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just wild. But to then have your student run out of class, tell the faculty what's going on, and then you go into this boardroom of people telling you, yeah, maybe you should just take a little break, dog. Cause maybe maybe eh, why don't you go to this book fair or something? Go figure out your life. It's right. like damn, dog. And it's also like you know we two different people. Mm. Like we are real selves, and then we then we are ourselves at work. Mm-hmm. You're not the same person outside of work and inside of work at all. Most people, ninety nine percent are not. Yeah. Even if you're more relaxed and. Uh, if you split down the middle and wrote, maybe you're closer to your true self at your particular job or your particular line of work, but you're not your true self. Yeah. And you know, like everybody else knows, that we 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 are in two different roles. So we playing and we listening, and it's like, man, I know y'all niggas is full of shit, dog. But I gotta play this role, and it felt like to me, Monk was irritated, and I'm like, yo, I'm not playing this role with y'all no more. Yeah. Feel you are not you a fucking asshole. I'm a, like, yeah. Who the fuck is you to tell me I can't say this or whatever it is? And and, and I think going from that and kind of transitioning into um, his writing style and what he writes about and what he's kind of fed up with in literary mainstream literary arts. I'm not playing that role, dog. Y'all not finna keep telling me what role I could play as an author because I don't see myself as a black author. See myself as an author. I'm a writer. That's what I do. I go down and I write. I'm not finna play the role and write the shit that y'all say is popular or um, will draw media attention or, you know, it represents all black experiences, right? I'm about to write about Greek mythology. That's what I'm interested in. Yo, this movie um, made me appreciate the Grammys this year. Man. Man. You know what I'm saying? And it also, this and the conversation that we had, I think, on this pod about um, the Drake versus Most Def and what is oh, yeah, hip-hop yeah, yeah. and what is not hip-hop. And I'm like, well, street urban culture. And, like, now I had to reimagine people who I thought that these niggas can't rap. These niggas not hip-hop. Yeah. And, like, no, they actually are. And it's a different style and a different yeah. such and such. So this movie, and it gets into that um, in the in the book world. And then that conversation happened in the rap world. I saw the parallels mm-hmm. and then the conversation that we'll get into with Issa and him and Monk had. I'm Man. like, I'm like, you know what? I am Monk in some in certain situations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I am Monk in certain situations and I'm Issa in certain situations trying to explain why. No, this is just as good as that. What's funny is, um, you know, and this is kind of toward the end of the film, but when he has that sort of one-on-one moment with her, right, and he asks her basically, you know, how is your book any different from the one you scoffing at, right? You kind of seem hypocritical. I felt like her answer is the same type of answer that you get when you ask somebody black, like, why can you say nigga and I can't? Or... Why? Why do you say nigga and don't find it offensive? Because in real life, and it, looks, it, it also sounds like a white person never answered that question. Yeah, because she never actually answered. Didn't she, answer it one time. She talked she, around she, it. She just stepped asking questions. Mm-hmm. So you mean to tell me I can't do this? Yeah. So you mean to tell me if you do this and it's the same? Yeah. Man, 
what makes it different? And it was like, yo, in reality, what she didn't see in that moment is that, yo, you scoffing at this book. You wrote the same book. You literally wrote and benefited from the same type of fucking book. But the the, the difference is I wrote this type of book because yeah. I'm okay with this this particular culture. Yeah. You upset with it because you think that 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 culture is beneath you. Yeah. I don't look at this as it being beneath me. I look at this as it being a part of me. So yeah. like if it's I don't hold 36 mafia um, in high regard as technically a rapper. rapper skills. Gotcha. Right? I, I mean, it's so many fucking hits that they got, yeah. right? But I always looked at that like less than when it comes to quote unquote hip hop. And yeah. I tried to put them like in a different category. And when I was having that conversation that Gus Malone started uh-huh. about, no, hip hop is expressing yourself, expressing your street urban culture mm-hmm. through one of these medians. I'm like, oh, I got to revise that shit because, yeah. fam, that's how Memphis is. Or that's yeah. how whatever parts of like, because they use a different style. So you wrote a haiku in a poem, and you wrote a poem that a different one. Like, I can't tell you which one of these are better. That's yeah. how you express yourself. So, but it's, it's wild, too, right? Because when you think of it in the context of uh, of hip-hop, most people couldn't accept, quote, southern hip-hop. Yeah. Because what we were introduced to as hip hop was New York, yep. and it was this style, these type of beats, these type of rappers, these types of experiences that all came from this one region. So then, when another region dominated, we grouped all that together, nigga, the South, and it was like, eh, if you really listen, Atlanta rappers ain't rapping like Memphis rappers. Memphis rappers ain't rapping like Houston rappers. Like it's so many. It ain't just the South, bro. Damn. It's all hip hop. The Dungeon Family ain't rapping like, like Atlanta rappers. The other people from Atlanta, come like, on, it's come not, on. Outcasts don't rap like nobody else. No, no. Well, at the time they yeah. did. Now other people rap like them, but like shit, Dre and Three Thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Dre. Yeah, yeah, and, and Big, Big Boy. Boy. Yeah, them niggas didn't rap the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you feel me? Like, and we're both like crazy good rappers, but completely fucking different. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, wait, what? So. To, to to respect the nuance, uh, how many times the niggas said nuance? Somebody count that shit. Man. Uh, but to respect that difference is important because, like, how you, like, discount my my existence? Yeah. Like, these people exist, and there's nothing wrong with them existing. Yeah. We say this in, when we talk about Tyler Perry shows, right? We be like, mm-hmm. well, he got a built-in audience, and he got a format, like, yeah. that's working. If that's not my format, why would I continue to watch something that's not my format just to shit on it? Right. Because, right. like, if you make the, the the Meet the Browns or whatever the case may be, fam, that's a lot of people that watch that shit. A and, whole lot. And enjoy it. Yeah. And it's how do I tell you your laugh is less valuable because I don't like how you got to laugh? Bro, uh, Meet the Browns and then uh, I'm blank. the Tyler Perry show that wasn't Meet the Browns, the one that was like, uh, with Lance Gross on there and shit. Um, those two shows were the two highest rated original sitcoms on TBS. Like, you came into a network. Turner Broadcasting did not just start when Tyler Perry came. This shit had been around for years. Bought by Warner. It was this huge fucking network. They had created a bunch of different shows that came and went. Then you came in and created not one but two shows that became the highest rated ever on this network. And it was like, 
I can't look at that just because I might not be a fan and tell you that's not dope, bro. Like, that's crazy that you did that. I saw some takes on Vince Staples' show on Netflix that mm-hmm. I just totally disagree with, mm-hmm. right? But I saw multiple people make the same take. Yeah. So I was like, well, <laughs> clearly people think differently than me. Yeah. And multiple people think the same, but they all thinking differently than me because they watch it with a different lens, yeah. different whatever, whatever. Like you didn't. And I'm like, I can't tell you that your view of comedy is better or worse than mine is yeah. because some like so yo Tyler Perry make movies for old black women fam they old black women deserve to laugh too and they deserve to be entertained bro <laughs> I seen somebody um let me see if I can find this quickly because uh, I'm I'm about to I'm about to connect these two points uh to the movie so Tyler Perry's Mia Copa mm-hmm. came out over the weekend right um someone on on Twitter or I'm sorry Instagram her caption not going to say her name, uh, but her caption said, easily one of the worst films I've ever seen in my whole life. And the fact that Tyler Perry manages to get worse and worse while having more money, resources, and power speaks to how his vile and belligerent narcissism functions only to make him wealthy while he continues to erode and make a mockery of the art of filmmaking. Yikes. But then follows up to say... Be sure to follow me on TikTok um, to catch my review. I try not to do them when I'm overly emotional because I need to pull back, but I feel fucking rage at the audacity of this man to keep doing this shit. And I, I read that, and I was like, yeah. Go to her page real quick. Oh. I just, cause I, like, you I can don't, look at the, no, the name and tell why she wrote that. That's, that's why I didn't say the name. But, yeah. but go to her her reels. I want to hear the background music in some, one of her reels. <laughs> Let's see. Uh... Let's talk about Kwanzaa. My mother got tired of the school system. MJ's problematic. Because uh, <laughs> like, I, I get what she's trying to say. A white man. All right, she got it. I just... Wait, tell me real no, every no, moment all these reels that she is on the screen. I don't mean to be. What's funny though, in within the first couple scrolls uh, on our reels, it's a difference between the movie she's liked, directed by black women, and the movies she didn't like. Uh, and again, going back to the name, I was like, eh. But listen, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of Mia Copa, right? Yeah. It, it just is what it is. However. And defenders is right to exist because Damn. there are people who enjoyed it, right? Uh, it's not my personal cup. Of, I got we 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 critique shit that we like tough. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, but I understand what I think she's trying to get at. Like, oh, you make black making women a, do this, so you make you make you making a mockery of, of filmmaking. We, we still listen to rap music. Come man. on, bro. We still listen to the. She, we still, she still listen to Michael Jackson. Like, come on, come on, man. Like we listen come to. On, we bro. listen to a very. My favorite form of music is very destructive. Um. So like, when I read that, I thought it because I read that today after I finished watching American Fiction for the third time, and uh, when I read that, I was like, "Damn, you cannot please." No matter what, right? If you just if you just keep it black. 
we just keeping it black. I'm not trying to please different audiences outside of black people. But you can't please black audiences because black audiences are not one type of audience, right? There were people I saw who loved Tyler Perry's movie. They loved Mia Copa. And then I saw people like her who said this is absolutely the worst movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. Now, do I think that's a bit dramatic? I do personally. Um, she only she only watched Fire though. <laughs> I mean, well, when you, well there's that, you right? Feel me? Um, but when I when I read that, I thought about the the dilemma that Monk faces in this movie. Yo, fam, I am a author. Who happens to be black Who's writing completely about non-black shit I am writing about Greek mythology I'm reinventing and retelling old Greek mythological tales And nobody's reading it I'm not garnering the interest of any audiences Fuck black audiences, white audiences, whatever in between I ain't getting nobody's attention And then when I look across the fucking room and I see the biggest fucking black author in the world today is literally writing about stereotypes and tropes and all this shit. And she got the attention of the whole fucking literary world. I look across and I say, damn, she writing about that and it's completely fucking stereotypical. But I'm writing about something that ain't even like black specific and don't nobody want to hear it at all. So the conflict comes and this is where I thought about it with Mia Culpa. If you Tyler Perry... Dog, I have a built-in audience. That's a fact. Like, I have people who are going to love and support and enjoy everything I put out no matter what. Why would I not cater to them? Fam, when you do not cater to your audience, you lose your audience. Come on, man. Like, I know what my audience wants to hear uh, for the most part, but yeah. it's, it's, it's ever-changing. Yeah. We don't review two movies up here because I... That's not what y'all want. Uh, maybe I want to get the jokes off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you got to cater to your audience. Here's a here's a perfect example. Good writing, though. Yeah. Um, Ashley and Jaquavis. Mm-hmm. Niggas got a fucking lane, and they do their fucking thing. Yeah. And I see with my own eyes, everybody beg, yo, where that next fucking book, nigga? Yeah. No, nah, yeah. I like that my mom... In love with Christian romance novels, mm. a, her her my dad built her a bookcase. The fucking wall is still up with all the books. Yeah. Christian romance novels. Yeah. Now I don't know if you guys know, but if you in any kind of business or any kind of art or some shit, everybody says to niche down. Don't be the cameraman who does everything. Niche down. Don't yeah. be the type of painter who paints everything. Niche down. Find your niche. Specialize then, in something, man. Because then when people want something, they're going to come to you. Yeah. So if Tyler Perry has a niche and there's an audience that's looking for it, why would I tell him to do something else? Man. Why would I tell you? If, you, if your niche, okay, Steph Curry niche yeah. is shooting the fuck out of the basketball. Facts. Why the fuck would he just want to start dunking all of a sudden? Fam, stick to your fucking... You want to drive to the lane and dunk on niggas now. You yeah. saw you saw John Morant dunk on a nigga. Yeah. And now in your head, I got to get the, a lane free, and I got to just keep going to the rack, going to the rack. Fam, your specialty is on the outside. But you know what's funny um, with that analogy, right? You'll take somebody like Seth Curry. I remember uh, back when... Um, uh, What's the old coach of the, of the Warriors? Mark, uh, Mark, Jackson. Mark Jackson. When he was coaching the Warriors, he said, yo, I got the two greatest shooters to ever live on my team right the, now. The greatest shooters, the great, the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. Ever. 
on my team right now talking about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And when he said that shit, people laughed, people scoffed, people said, you they coach, man. You got to say some shit like that, right? Because at the time, Steph and Klay hadn't broke no records. They hadn't done anything for real to kind of warrant that was, that we saw. That was 10 years ago. Yeah, nigga. we hadn't seen that shit, right? But Mark Jackson seen it and was like, yo, nigga, I'm with them in practice every day. I see what they're doing every day. Y'all going to see it soon. But I'm telling you in advance, greatest shooting backcourt to ever live, right? That shit, um, man, got him out of here. The next year, Steve Kerr was there, and they won a championship. Come on, man. And then it was like, oh, okay, over the last 10 years since he said that shit, they have obliterated shooting records. They have. It's like Steph and Clay. Steph Curry come on, man. sets a new record every, every single time. No, every time he makes a three-pointer. Well, now he's just running with it. Now yeah. it's just absurd, right? It's a new record. Yeah. We can drop the balloons and confetti every single time come he on, drops man. a – He breaks his own record. And every it's time. like when, when you – Mark Jackson was able to say that, and Steph and Clay were able to go out and prove him right because at the end of the day, we didn't try to become the type of players that we weren't, right? I catered to my skill set. I catered to my niche. We know what we do on this pod. Yeah, every now and again, we're going to talk to you all about some cultural shit, and we're going to talk to you all about what's popping out in the world. Because the fact of the matter is, a lot of people do want to hear our thoughts and opinions on stuff that ain't necessarily TV or film related, right? So we're going to talk to you all about that. But at the end of the day, I want you all to come here and listen to us talk about the movies and the films and the TV shows that we we watch and we review because that's our niche, right? You're not going to every other pod that might review uh, American fiction or or book of clearance or whatever it is that we Vince Staples show. They're going to talk to you off about two minutes about that shit because it's not their niche, right? And they're going to say something. It might be spicy. It might be salacious. It might be funny. But they're going to be done with that conversation in under five minutes or less. We gonna expound on this shit for a couple hours, dog. We gonna dive. We've barely gotten to act one of this movie. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But it's because the conversations that we have versus a pod where this ain't they niche, it's gonna be a little different, dog. And, and um, and like we also got to just set ground rules before we get into it, right? Mm-hmm. Because now when we got all the ground rules and we got all the 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 shit out the way, we yeah. can have a, a open, honest conversation, and you kind of know. The, the area and the space that we coming from yeah. when we had this conversation. Yeah, and I, I think at the end of the day, right, um, it's unfair for audiences, black, white, or other, it's unfair for audiences to expect black creatives to represent all things black. Um, it just is, dog. Like, me and Jay, to your point, we ain't talked about no Tubi movies up here. Um Jaquavius ended up having his shit on Tubi, so that being the exception. But we don't come up here and talk about the lawnmower man and the male lady and all the different fucking movies that pop up on Tubi every week. And it ain't because we ain't ever watched none. It ain't because we ain't even enjoyed some. It's just mm, our audience is probably more than likely a little more sophisticated watcher. And we have more sophisticated reviews that I don't need to come in here and review that type of show or movie every fucking week. Bro. And also, like, the movies that we review are are good movies. Yeah. But... We don't review every good movie. Facts. We review stuff that has content that we can have a deeper unpacking conversation yeah. about. Like, Vince Staples, it's five episodes, and they're relatively short, but it's so much shit to talk about. Fam, those, those episodes. five episodes roughly spanned about two hours. Yeah. On episode one review, we was over two hours. 
that's the type of conversation that we're looking to have. So it ain't just what's popular in the culture. It's what our audience is watching, our audience is watching, that we can openly have a good discussion about. Because here's the thing. We also have pods where we reviewed some shit you couldn't really have a good convo on. Yeah. And I saw the response to it, or lack thereof, right? I saw the the lack of interest because, yo, in reality, that sound good in theory. Like, I don't don't get me wrong. I'll be looking at some of the posts um, in the groups and on the Twitter and on the Instagram where y'all telling us, yo, y'all should review. And I get it. I get the lore. The, the, because I probably watch the movie and it's good. And you want that movie to get its shine. It's yeah, just due. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we throw in, uh, yo... What you should check out, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't have an hour. Like, it's so it was. It could have been done so well yeah. that there's nothing else to talk about. And here's the thing, yo. I'm I'm happy to start giving you know little 10, 15 minute conversations or discussion to things that I know people are watching but aren't necessarily fitting what we do, right? Um, because I I think there's a space for that. Like, I we had a 10 minute convo about Mia Copa before we cut the mics on, just on the humble. We ain't even get into it. Happy to do that, but at the same time, I ain't necessarily coming up here on a, a recording day specifically to record a pod on Mia Copa. Yeah. Like, we got to have some other shit that we coming in here to feed our audiences because at the end of the day, our audience expects a certain level of podcast review from us. Also, and I can't give them that with everything that comes out. Here's a, here's a, here's a thing, too. Uh, I need the long listen. Mm. That's what I prefer. Yeah. I prefer conversation. I need a long listen. Here's yeah. a, a perfect example. So this week they released um, the top 10 podcasts that black people listen to. Mm-hmm. Shits and Gigs made the list. They were mm-hmm. like the number nine, I think, right? Yeah. Shits and Gigs is very popular on YouTube, very popular on Instagram. Yeah. And like TikTok and everything like that. Yeah. Because they put the... Every time they start the episode, they start the episode with a fan topic or something that was trending online, basically. Mm-hmm. And they read the responses, and that shit get cracking, and that's how they get all they shit. Yeah. They podcast ain't nothing like that. Yeah. They podcast is just, it's shop talk. It's two yeah. niggas talking about, about they personalized, yeah. what happened with you this week, whatever, whatever. Right? So if we give y'all a bunch of quick reviews on shit that we don't necessarily like, you're going to be tuning in for that. And I don't want you to think that we don't got the quality that we actually have. Here's the thing. We can do both. But we ain't just going to do that one just to cater to an audience that's probably smaller than the fucking audience. The audience that's only going to listen and watch that on the social media. Like, that's... And it's just... But you know what, though? Kind of going back to the unfairness, right? So it's unfair for anybody to ask a black creative to represent all things in the thing that they create, right? It's also unfair... That creatives have to figure out, yo, like I want to create this, but then the monopoly of it comes in, right? I want to create this, but do I want to monetize it? Because if I want to monetize it, then it maybe needs to look this if way. You, if you want to monetize it, now you, you got to listen to the customers. Yeah, and that's that's where it becomes a conflict, right? Because go back to the beginning of podcasting, right? Um, when it wasn't when it was absolutely no money in this shit, it was literally just. People grabbing a mic and having a platform. And that was it. Wasn't no ads. Wasn't nothing. Um, you did that shit because you wanted to. But now you look at it and you can literally listen to, me and you listen to a lot of different podcasts. 
Um, I can listen to podcasts now that I've been listening to since 2014, 2015. Different. They ain't the same no more because they got a little popping. Them podcasts that was on that list, that top 10 among black listeners, a lot of them have changed, especially the ones with black hosts. Yeah. They've changed a lot because how we used to get our shit off when it wasn't no money in this shit versus how we get our shit off now where it's a lot of dollars. I'm not mad at this because this could be us one day. Yeah. Uh, If the right email come through. Keep telling y'all I'm ready to change. But why are you in the middle of talking about whatever? I don't want to stop and tell you about my prize picks. Man. Man. Right, like all the gambling sites yeah. host all the podcasts now. Yep. And now my regular, I don't get on here and talk about, we'll talk about sports, but not like for real, for real. Yeah, because yeah. this ain't that podcast. Yeah, And um, I'm not the nigga to go to that's going to tell you who, now I got some gambling, I, I do my bets, <laughs> you feel me? Parlays and all that shit, but like, now I'm going to tell y'all niggas who to over, under, everything. Yeah. Like, that's really and it's just, it, it can throw off. The um now you are probably better at that yeah. right at yo yeah. over under so yeah. we did it yo yeah you got you should yeah. you should I'm gonna read the part and yeah. then you get the picks because like, like I don't know even like look at like when we was doing the um the manscape ad right like we were rolling that ad out into our conversation these were not yo and now here comes my favorite part of the show where I throw an ad at you. It was, yo, let's make this sound natural as possible to keep it in the flow. It's only so many times you can tell a nigga to to, to shave their nuts. Facts. Like, how many critics, like, I be listening to the brilliant edits and shit, and Schultz will be doing that, or like um, uh, Manscaped or Blue Chews. Like, and they they do give you some suggested strip, like, fam, how many times I'm gonna talk about my nuts? Yeah. Like, all right. Yo, I I do long for the days where uh, the podcast ads were like, it was a bunch of different ones, at least. Like, it wasn't just one dominating. Like, it was Bevel, and it was uh, the Blue Chew, and it was Manscape, and it was Disney, and it was that. And it was, like, maybe six or seven. Now it'd be, like, one. So it's, like, to your point, every week you telling me the same thing to do. Shave your nuts or uh, here go a get hard pill because you have an ED prop. Like, why are they pushing ED so heavy on motherfuckers? Like, I'm talking about not just through podcasts. Right. I'll be Everywhere. seeing commercials on Instagram. Me and my man loved it. Our Bro, such and such pills. My um, my wife loves to watch Hulu. Like I think Hulu is her favorite app. Nigga, Hems owns Hulu, bro. Hems and HIV shit. <laughs> That's it though. That's what, bro. Like, and stop giving them the Hems, and they might not go. I'm like, dog. I was. I think I was watching the the one shit. Um, into the world or some yeah, shit. Yeah. I'm like, yo, who got AIDS? And like. It- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you, yo, like every every break was like, uh, I'm like, yo, all right, strap up. But you know what's kind of funny, man? Um, it's it's about again. I think it's a way. Like the people at Hulu are looking at the ad dollars that they're getting from all these different pharma companies. And I apologize. Shit. I said that kind of brand. No, that's, no, not hey. I, that's not what I meant. But right. I. But that's the thing, though. When you're watching a murder at the end of the world, or I'm watching uh, death and other details on Hulu, or whatever the fuck I'm watching on Hulu, Fargo or some shit, and then you throw these specific types of ads in there out of the blue every commercial break, it feels just as fucking harsh when it comes. Because yo, murder at the end of the world is a fucking Slow, brooding, dark You don't know what's It's a very brilliant fucking written And you watching this And then out of the blue 
here come a happy nigga skipping through the fucking park because he got HIV and they found a a pill that could take care of it and make it easier to live. And it's like, yo, that don't really relate, right? like, I got HIV, but I'm fucking now. (laughs) Bro, (laughs) and, and, (laughs) and me and my mans is on the roof flipping a steak and then he come hug me and we kiss because I got fucking uh, Palaxo or whatever the fucking medicine be called. Or here come, hey, man, you having a problem getting hard and it's a <laughs> nigga scratching his head. And next thing you know, throw a hymns package at him. And now you hard again, bro. And all your ED. Pro- and it's like in real life, go to the doctor, A. Um, but B. Stop being horny, nigga. <laughs> But it's like that. Because you're trying to make yourself have sex when your body don't want to have sex. <laughs> but your it's body, like. Because your body would tell you when it's time. The ad don't fit the means. You know what I'm saying? Like the ad don't fit. The, I'm watching this show about this thing and then you throw this ad at me out of the blue and it don't fit. And it's like, again, you take somebody like Monk. I am interested in Greek mythology. This is what I write about. This is my passion. But y'all want me to write this book over here, right? And when I write this book over here. I wrote it completely satirically because in real life, I didn't think y'all would fucking want this book from me. On some monk shit, though, you do sell these books. Facts. Niggas is not trying to read about Greek mythology in 2024. Yeah. They will watch something on YouTube about yeah. Greek mythology in 2024. Yeah. Fam, you got to write some shit that people want to listen to, dog. And I think it was wild, too, because, like, when I, when I go back to the statement about me not totally understanding what he was teaching in his class, my thoughts were like, damn, I wonder why he don't write about the sort of shit that he's teaching in his class. Because his class curriculum didn't seem like Greek mythology, so why not write about that? But I think This it, is what I do f- to, to, to yeah. support my me while I'm writing, writing books. This is what I do to support my passion. It's my nine to five. Yeah, yeah. And, um... Yo, we know a lot about that, right? Having to go and work a fucking nine to five that really don't correlate with what you do. Because in real life, the thing that you're most interested in, yo, nigga, I'm trying to build that audience up. I'm trying to get them dollars where they're supposed to be at. And I just feel like if I had 40 hours a week to put into um, the pod. Yeah. Well, more than 40 hours to put in the, into the promotion of the pod and reaching out to different things, I'd be better off. Yeah. Versus putting that 40 to 50 hours in and then coming and trying to do the pie and then trying to get shit out before yeah. I go to sleep to yep. get up. The, you know what I'm saying? The job's in the way, God damn it. Yeah, but that's, it's and it's such a conflict. Again, dog, all this shit feels unfair, right? It's unfair to tell a motherfucker, yo, you black, you got to represent all black people. It's unfair to tell a motherfucker, yeah, I know by nature you are creative and you passionate about this, but it ain't no money in that for you yet. So in the meantime, go get a real fucking job. Like, all that shit feels unfair, but what we also know is if you are creative and you just stick to your creative passion until the money comes, a lot of people in your life won't accept you. They won't accept that from you. They won't. T- they'll tell you, nigga, you can go out and get a fucking regular job in the meantime. And shit, what we tell entrepreneurs all the time, hey, let your nine to five fund your fucking creative niche and your entrepreneurship. And, not and it's because in reality, if you just focus on the creative thing. One, you might get there a little faster than most people do when they combining that with a nine to five. Facts. But it's still gonna take some time. And in that time, everybody gonna look at you and say you a bum, you're not doing shit with yourself, you're not it's just so many negatives that come with it, right? And it's just it's unfair to have to deal with the fucking nuances of that. So for for Monk's character, yo, I'ma write this book completely out of frustration. I'm finna write this just to throw it out there because I want the literary agents and the publishers to see just how silly it is that y'all want to see the black experience from me. 
the nigga who's literally grown up in quite opposite of the quote unquote black experience, right? I grew up in a family of fucking doctors and and professionals who are at the top of their fucking nigga. We had a maid growing up. Like I didn't grow up regular. I didn't grow up like these black people that y'all want me to write about. So when I write about that, in my mind, it's a joke. Because I don't know these experiences. So I'm literally finna go write a Pookie and Ray Ray type story, right? But when I go write it, oh shit, they accepted that for me? I tell what? You, I tell you what, dog. In this fucking movie, I would watch a whole fucking movie about that shit he made. Man, I mean, anything with Keith David. Like, I thought... That was some of the, like, I thought that was some of the best acting in the fucking movie. So, I will say, that scene where he's in his office writing, like, the the satirical manuscript, and Keith David and my man pop up, um, and they start acting out what he's writing, I will say, if I had any issue with this film, it was that they didn't continue that throughout the movie. I wanted to see literally stuff like that at each point in the movie. One of the things that I enjoyed about the movie so much they only did it twice. They only broke the the the, the, the third, the, wall, the third yeah. wall like twice, um, because that scene mm-hmm. and at the end because they gave yeah. us multiple endings. Yeah, like Which I actually thought I, was I've never. This is the most that creative way to yeah. have everybody happy at the ending. Yeah, like you gave us four or five different endings. Yep, like and he um. It was funny that first ending, like the fade to black joint. I was kind of like, oh. But that was so funny because literally that's the response to every film that ends like that. Yeah. You got audience. Well, it's two responses to that. You got the audiences who go, oh, what the fuck? That's it? And then you get the other audience who be like, oh, that was brilliant. Like, name, tell us what happened. I don't want to be spoon fed. Like, I want to figure it out and leave it to my thought as the audience member. No, my nigga, you... you you ain't fucking the fuck. You got to come. Yeah. Okay? If, if a nigga... You can have sex, but you just can't bust a nut at the end. Or like, you can be on some fucking tantric shit where you don't have a nut. Yeah. You just build it up, and you like to build up more than the actual payoff. Um, But then they gave us the fucking uh, romantic comedy ending, right? Here got a rom-com shit where he get back with uh with uh Coraline, uh, played by Erica Alexander, and he gets with her, and they walk off into the sunset happily ever after. Because a lot of people love that ending. Yeah, and then we get... Black Lives Matter in Come on now Come on now He's got a gun No I have a glass trophy That I was just presented That y'all probably stood outside And heard me present it Before you busted them doors open And you know that this glass thing You can see through Is not a gun But I'm black And I'm holding something I mean you see You see the other day A nigga An acorn fell out the sky He shot a nigga He shot a person Who was in a car Yeah And handcuffed in the back seat Off the acorn Fam, Which is crazy. A, a acorn fall. He did a whole dip and roll and yeah. unloaded the clip. And yeah, was telling people he was hit. And it's those three endings. The conflict is you can't please everybody. But with those three endings, kind of please everybody. Dog, literally. <laughs> um. Uh. Shit. Let me look up dog name who directed this shit. It was something Jefferson. I um, said, I'm like, yo, this is fucking creative because I didn't like the first ending. I'm oh, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, man. Court Jefferson directed yo, this. I'm like, yo, this is so fucking creative, dog. Yeah. Like, he, this really might be the first movie ever made where, no, I pleased every audience. In a movie that I just spent two hours telling you, you can't please everybody, 
Then I pleased everybody. That's crazy, it's, dog. That's crazy, yeah. bro. And they broke the fourth wall or third wall uh, for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one. But, like, I enjoyed the Keith David shit. Oh, like, man. The Keith David shit was brilliant. One, because it's Keith David, man. And, Just and a, a that really. Was in it. I, I can't think of his name, but, like, he's a good actor, too. No, his. He had a Nigerian name, um, and I read it. And I literally had a debate with myself on whether I would even attempt to try to say it. I'm not going to because I don't want to butcher his shit. But just know you in? you did it, dog. I wasn't familiar he, with dog. I, I know his face. Yeah. Hold Pause. on. Um, <laughs> but, no, uh, oh, man, I, I just. So kind of as we shift, right. The movie was not just about all these conflicts. It was another layer in there. Family. Family conflict. Oh, man. Because and you know what's funny? When we talk about, you know, black experience not being the same and all black people not going through the same shit. Um, yo, man, sometimes we all do go through the same That's shit. That's from, um... Uh, oh! Oh, shit, I didn't realize that was him because he had the eye patch on yeah. his shit. Dog from uh, Hamilton and shit. Um, yeah, and that's the dog from, uh, NBC, the fire shit. Oh, uh, uh, Chicago Ch- Fire? Chicago yeah, fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but no, when I, was, when I was looking at the family aspect of this shit, I was like, yo... Here you are, right, in a family full of fucking, uh, you know, successful doctors and this family that was raised right and raised on, you know, the other side of fucking black wealth that we don't normally get to see. And look at all these issues that they had. You know what I'm saying? You had the father who was out there philandering and cheating and then ended up committing suicide at the beach house. A lot of black families don't have a beach house to go to and commit suicide in. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then you had the 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 youngest son who was a, doc, a doctor and had the wife and the kids and the American dream, right? And then in reality, he was living on the down low, gay, got caught by his wife, and now his wife is divorcing him, taking him for all his bread, and his kids hate him. Yeah. Then you got... Tracy Ellis Ross's character, Lisa, the sister, who was also a doctor, um, worked at a, a shit. What's the shit um, where the girls can go and like get some like birth control and shit? Uh, Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. That's where she worked at. I, I read that in the description. Um, she's down at Planned Parenthood doing her thing, right? You literally are giving back, but then. For whatever reason, you and your husband are also going through a divorce. It's messy. All your money is tied up in that. And you're trying to take care of your mom who's suffering from Alzheimer's, and it's getting worse. And, like, yo, I don't got the... This shit is, this shit is expensive. It's expensive, and it's taxing. It's expensive, it's taxing, yeah. and I'm here because y'all niggas left yeah. me with mama by myself. And she resented them for that. Yo, she literally said, you and uh, little bro, y'all fled west. Y'all got away from this. And like, I'm in the thick of it. And they had a, they don't like the other two don't like their father because they cheated. I guess everybody knew that the father was cheating except him. Well, look at the two who didn't like him resented the fact that the father had such a great relationship with Monk, right? Yeah. But they were also the only two who knew he was cheating. Monk had no fucking clue dad was doing all this because to me he was great. And even that, right, it show you how you can see people in different eyes, right? Me and your relationship... Somebody else might look at you and be like, yo, man, Jay Johnson is this type of person, right? I don't fuck with Jay because of that. And it's like, that ain't my experience with him, dog. I know. So it's hard for me to resent him or have that same hatred for him because I ain't went through that with Jay. So in my eyes, he this. I know people or, or close friends with people that 
some would consider a monster. This person did this to me. This person, yeah. like, I don't know that version of him when he was there. I don't, I don't know that version of yeah. him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That was a long time ago. He I, fucked you up really bad. But I tell my I don't wife, him. um, I tell my wife all the time, cause she, my my wife adores my dad, bro. Like they just have such a dope relationship, man. Um, always have. Like when they sit down and talk, I just lead them to it, yo, cause I know he's about to just have like. A good time talking to her and she finna just soak it all in and she always talks about just how like sweet my pops is how charming he is how this and that he's just such a dope dude and i always laugh and i've told her this before like not that he ain't all them things but there's literally a menacing side to him that you will never know bro <laughs> like you never got and not that i experienced it firsthand in the sense that it like came down on me but i saw it yeah i saw how he interacted with other people i saw how he got in the position he got in when he went to prison and it's like i saw him when he came out of prison and got right back in them streets and it's like yo there's a side of him you will literally never know and that ain't necessarily good or bad but it created my relationship Do with your him, father right? remember it Oh yeah, he'll he'll talk to you about whatever if you ask, right? But it's like that's not on the surface for him now, right? So you know you what I'm said, saying? You know, because yeah, of his, accidents he don't remember a so, lot of things. I wonder if that's like a blessing to him. You know what I'm saying? His, well, I don't have to Oh, I so I think there's so right after my pop's accident, his mom and grandma passed the year before his accident. Um, within like six months of each other, right? Um, grandma first and then his mom about six months later. And um when he had his accident once he came out the coma, he kept saying, call my grandma, tell her I'll be, I'm okay. Call my mom, let them know I'm okay. And he would ask to talk to them so he could tell them directly. And we had to keep telling him, oh, you already spoke to them. Oh, you already talked to them. Um, and this was at the doctor's request. Like, just tell him he already spoke to them. Because the trauma of telling him that they passed right now where his brain is, we don't know how that's going to impact, impact yeah. his recovery. And we don't know how it's going to fuck with Because right now his memory, this just happened... Within the last six months, his memory ain't grabbing that. But literally, his memory of shit that happened 30 years prior to his accident, clear as crystal, dog. Like, and it, it was just, it's wild how your brain can function like that, man. Like, <laughs> My niggas at Walmart, y'all at the movie theaters, he probably look around like, I robbed this nigga. Bro, dog. <laughs> and it's it's so dope, too, because, like, I remember uh, when he first came home from, from the hospital, it used to frustrate me till I kind of learned, you know, how to, how, to, how to cope, I guess, for lack of a better word. But, like... My pop's short-term memory at the time was so bad. If he paused the movie and went to the bathroom, when he came back, he started the whole movie over because he ain't remember nothing that happened. You know what I'm saying? Even if it's a movie we've watched a million times, I don't remember what part we was on. I don't know how we got to this part. So I need to watch this whole thing in one. And if I stop, I got to start all over, dog. And it, it used to frustrate me because I'm like, dog, we already seen. I done watched Minister Society more times than I'll ever be able to count. But it was like, Yo, over time, I saw his memory bank sort of building back up, right? I saw him be able to go from, if I pause this movie now, we start it over, to if I pause this shit right here, I can go to the bathroom, and when I come back, I don't know if you fast-forwarded this shit. I don't know if you moved it. Yeah. I, and it was just, it was dope to see. But all that to say, it's so many nuances. Somebody give us the nuance count. We got to be at like 20. Uh, but it's so many nuances in thinking about your relationship with somebody versus think about dating, right? You can date a girl and that shit could have ended horribly, nigga. You could have you had the worst experience with that girl. 
But then, like, my dating experience with everybody I've been with has been different than the previous. Yeah, but it's like it might be another nigga out there who want that girl that you fucking ended it with so bad. Yeah, it's more compatible. And that's the thing, dog. So in in the concept or construct of their family, him and his pops were alike. I dated the same girl two different times, and it was two different experiences. It's two different experiences. I go home to the same girl <laughs> every day, and it's a different experience. 365 experience. Right <laughs> Maybe more, because it's a leap year. <laughs> 366 in a leap year. Um, No, dog, but it's, it's just, it's so funny how that works, man. Like, they all grew up in that same household with the same successful parents and had completely different relationships with their father. So now we don't. He fucked up about his pops committing suicide and doing all that. And they are too. But we didn't grow up holding him in high regard like you did, bro. Yeah, so let's talk about this a little bit where he asked his mom, like, yo, you knew like you knew dad was cheating and shit? Woo. And he was like, Yeah. She was like, Yeah. But she was like, Your dad was a genius. Mm. Like, he was tortured by being a genius. And yeah. he was never gonna nobody could understand him because he is a genius. Yeah. And I think you a genius too. And that's why nobody likes you. But and then called him Cliff, the little yeah. brother. <laughs> Whoa. Because, like, he the real genius. Yeah. And, yo, look how different Cliff was in real life. And it didn't get there until he was 40-something and divorced and his kids hated him. He could finally be who the fuck he was. And then you kind of juxtapose that with the convo Cliff had with Monk where he told him, um... He feels bad that his dad never got to know all of him, right? He ain't never get to know all of me. You don't think you don't think dad knew you was gay? I didn't have a chance to tell him. Yeah, he's maybe so he, he did. He might have thought it. I don't, I wasn't confirmed, and I don't know if he would have accepted it or not. Yeah, but like me, I would feel better. Me not knowing the version of my father yeah. that I think it, I don't even know that he would accept me. Man, man, uh-huh. what if he? And if he would, I still need to to know it. Yeah. Because all the intents and purposes, nigga, I know you've been, know you, know you been gay since. since come on. And here's the thing, right? When you think about acceptance, at the end of the day, if you look for somebody to accept you for being your full, real self, they don't have to. For you to do that, it yeah. might feel better. It, 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 it probably. So I just don't know about that when it comes to mother and father. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they are literally you. Yeah. You feel me? Like. Now, regular people, mm-hmm. like, I do think as, as a human, like, you need your mother and you need your father. Yeah. Of course, you can figure it out without them and, and still live, a, a, yeah. you know, a, a, a purpose-filled life the whole nine yards. Yeah. But I think on, like, a, a biological or spiritual level, you will always want yeah, and or slash, I don't know, want slash need, like, your parents' approval. Yeah. And it's really... um. I can see how somebody can be left uneasy if they never got their parents' approval. 100%. Um, and not even just their approval. I didn't get my parents' resentment. I didn't, he didn't know this about me. so Or he didn't confirm this about me before he died. So I don't know what our relationship would have ima- been like. Can you imagine, like, your mom don't know who you are? Man, man. On twofold. One, because her mind is slipping. Yeah, but yeah. two, like, you, you will... You like to feel that your parents know who you are. Yeah. Knows your your, your core set of values, the whole nine yeah. yards. But, like, when you don't really know who I am because I've been hiding it from you, yeah. 
I don't even know if my parents even know. And the, this real version of myself was who I am. Yeah. And I want the acceptance of that, but I don't know. And it's, you know, it's funny too, man, thinking about um, where their mom's Alzheimer's was taking her, right? Uh, memory loss and, and just kind of forgetting what she had just done, right? You know what I'm saying? You turn the light off in that room and then get out to the hallway and not remember if you turned that light off in there. I watched my pops not know so many things, not remember so many people, not re- recognize faces, recognize. The thing I cherished the most when he woke up, he literally said, where is Anthony and Kim? He's one of me and my mom. Dog. Didn't, couldn't remember nothing else about life, but I remember my wife and my son, where they at, what they doing. Get them in. We was in the hallway, but it was just like, the mind for for all the things that can go wrong with it is is so dope what it will hold on to till its last fighting motherfucking breath dog and like with a mom she might not have remembered certain shit but i remember why i loved your dad through him cheating on me uh related unrelated yeah i'm not doing this yeah but it's still fucking dope uh you know elon got the little Neuralink shit uh-huh the niggas say niggas are removing the mouse on the computer with their brain now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, yo. <laughs> like, yo. Dog. Um, that's interesting, right? It is. Very much so. Because, <laughs> like, uh, yo, how you did that? Yeah. <laughs> like, how you did that? Um, But what if you can control your brain and, like, no, I got access to all my memories? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's some, some next wor- That's. I got. What if you had access and there, every fucking I, memory? There are people like that in the world. Yeah, um, something's going on tumor somewhere, and then it activated a portion of the brain. And was like, now nah, I remember everything. And I remember watching an interview with somebody, and they say it's a curse. Yeah, because every fucked up feeling or heartbreak, it is all brand new. Wow, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, the feeling of when my Love one passed away. I feel like it, like it just happened yesterday. Yeah, all yeah. the good stuff is there too. But like every argument, like I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't forget anything. I know every fucked up shit you ever did to me, and you said it like you just did it yesterday. I'll say this too. Um, I ain't necessarily gonna say I remember everything. I, I do have a really good memory, but I have a really vivid memory. Um, and I've I've told this to my wife. I've told this to my mom. Um. It's not always a good thing, right? Because I'll remember such fucking accurate accounts of shit that happened to me, good and bad. But when it's bad, it'll take me there emotionally, right? It'll it'll take me back to the feeling that I maybe didn't even fucking know that I felt at that time. I just recall it, and it's like, oh, shit, this was a terrible fucking experience. And I remember every word, every yeah. color. Um, I often think, like, when I do have... My memory, yeah. Like I remember where we was at, what you was wearing. Mm-hmm. Like, like I just remember like the whole scene. Right? Yeah. But there are certain periods of my life, like I don't even remember my twelfth grade year like that. Yeah. I remember specific events, certain track meets and shit like that. But like, I only remember like what was my first hour. Yeah. What was my second hour? Like, yeah. I don't rem- like. I remember. I remember like two scenes from prom. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember the entire night. Yeah. Uh, I remember, like, two scenes from 
uh, the senior luncheon because okay. we performed. I was rapping as we performed at a senior luncheon and shit. Yeah, like I remember like bits and mom. It all in real life on some um, uh, Westworld shit. It feel like somebody built my backstory, man. <laughs> like um, man. like and you got these things that you remember, but like Jeffrey Wright, shout Jeffrey out. Wright, yeah, right? yeah. Um, like I wish I could access all those memories. Yeah, like I wish I could access. Yo, what the fuck was I thinking in sixth grade, seventh grade, mm-hmm. eighth grade? Now, of course, you got those, those moments. Yeah, somebody start talking about something, it'll come back like, oh yeah, and then remember, such and such did this. Yeah. That's there, but like, if you have access, like I'm just going through my phone, yeah, and reliving stuff, man. That's we tend to only, especially when it comes to family, right? Um, and and just kind of our upbringing. We tend to only remember the highlights or the lowlights. We never remember because the highlights and the lowlights don't define us and they don't define the experiences that we had. But all that stuff in the middle that it's way more of, we don't remember those details and those moments as clearly as vividly. And I think kind of leaning into the highlights or the lowlights, it kind of defines the relationship that you have with the people and the things you're remembering, right? Um, Even that house, that beach house, right? Y'all father killed himself in that house. It's no wonder y'all haven't been here in forever. Mm-hmm. And then look at when y'all came back. It was after uh, Lisa had the heart attack. Crazy. And y'all came to bury her. Let's talk about that for a moment, too. But, like, y'all came. This house is officially, once y'all come to to bury her ashes in the, uh, in the river or the lake outside the beach house, now y'all have officially turned this house into the death house. It's associated with the death of your loved ones. And it's like, damn, this ain't a joyous place no more. So no wonder when y'all come here. All this kind of negative shit starts to bubble up. Because look at the memories y'all are setting on this place. These is low lights that y'all are putting an emphasis on. Man, I didn't know that she was going to be gone so quick in the movie. Tracy Ellis Ross had such a dope impact on this movie in a very brief time. Um, I loved her initial scene. She came out with a dad joke off top. So That's an excellent dad joke. Yo, that joke was fucking amazing, dog. Like Roe versus Wade, my nigga. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a fucking excellent. And literally, I had the face he had when she asked him, and he was like, "I don't know what." When she dropped the Roe versus Wade bar, gunshots went off, nigga. Don Demarco, yeah. like, what's so interesting? I I did go see this movie in matinee type shit, like I always uh-huh. do. Uh, I wasn't in the studio by my. I mean, in the studio, I wasn't in the theater by myself this time. There was about six to eight other people, older black women. Uh, and an older black woman and her, and her husband was there. I assume it's her husband. Um, and like groups of women. Yeah. Uh, were, I mean, it's only eight people in the motherfucker, so it's not like groups. Yeah. But uh, which I thought I thought I like I like I like that. Yeah. Because each movie is designed for a particular audience. Yeah. And this movie, like, I can see them watching this movie. And uh, you know what's funny? Um, yo. Don't go to a big dinner and then go see a movie right after. Um, that's that's my advice to y'all. Uh, me and Shorty went to go see this after we had a family dinner with uh, my parents, a couple of my cousins and all that. And it was like a big, we was eating and drinking. And then literally I looked at the clock and it was like, oh shit, the movie theater around the corner is finna show this in 15 minutes. You want to go see it? Let's go. I was tired. I was lethargic. I had that itis. And um, I watched the whole movie. But because I was so tired and damn near uncomfortable, yo, Troy MJR got to upgrade them seats, dog. I need a recliner. But uh, because I was up in there so, like, just, oh, fuck, I'd just rather be stretched out, laid out on the couch. 
Yeah, they don't have recliners yet. That's the brokest shit I've ever seen in my life. I, I, I work right out there. Yeah. I work near there, and I, I, I all the, the little food places that's yeah. right around it. I, you frequent. I, I you frequent. be up in there. I'm never going in there. I, so, I, literally, I literally only go to one movie theater. We were at a restaurant in Troy, and it was like, you know, American Fiction, when it came out, was already in limited theaters anyway. So yeah. to not only find the theater it was playing in, but to be five minutes away it was like all right we kind of have to go here but i know this is not going to be a comfortable experience for me after dinner so all that to say i was a little food distracted post dinner and like i watched the movie i enjoyed the movie but it didn't resonate the way that i was looking for it too because i'm like i'm going into this movie knowing about the oscar buzz and the performances from jeffrey Wright and sterling k brown and everybody's talking about this or that and it was like damn dog i walked out of the theater like I don't think it hit me for real yet. And then when I rewatched it at the crib, just in an, in an environment that I could focus on it a little bit more, but also something that I don't think people really understand about this video on demand world that we live in. Yo, when I can like pause, rewind, re-listen, re-hear, re-engage with certain parts of the movie, it's like, dog, it's damn near like a live podcast. Like, you get to kind of stop shit where it's at, have discussions, have thoughts, and just kind of work through what you feel about this shit. This movie was fucking great, man. Um, The performances from everybody were great. Tracy Ellis Ross in, you know, 10, 15 minutes of screen time, if that, excellent, dog. But when she had that heart attack, I literally was, like, hurt a little bit, bro. <laughs> like, I didn't think she's about to die. Yeah, like, and I mean, even the way they did that, um... Where they showing her foot kind of twitching from, you know, they they in there trying to revive her, and then it just stops. And it was like, he like, he, she like, look, I need some help. Yeah. Mom is getting worse. You know what I'm saying? You, uh, you ain't sending no fucking money. He like, I'm kind of struggling right yeah. now. And yeah. And oh boy, he going. He like, ask, ask uh, Cliff. He like, yeah. Cliff going through a divorce. Uh, wife is doing this and that. You know what I'm saying? They ain't been talking. Yeah. Um. Like nobody got no fucking money right now, dog. And y'all done left all this shit on me, mm -hmm. and I, I I resent y'all niggas for it. Yeah, but I love you, and like we don't like that, <laughs> but we know that you don't know. We all know, but yeah, you the only one that don't. And like, so we don't even we're not even mad that you don't dislike them. Yeah, but it is the elephant in the room, and it 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 causes tension. Because there's always in your family, in my family, there's some family drama that some people are privy to, yeah. other people are not privy to, and it dictates how they interact. It dictates Facts. how their children interact. It dictates the re relationship between cousins because if the parents aren't friends, you're not going to be friends. Yeah. And the information that you know or think you know, sometimes not even true. Man, man. We uncovered that about four years ago. Like, some of the stuff that we found out and the reasons that people were beefing, it was all from a misunderstanding and misconception. Wow. Like, it never happened. Like, this happened because of this, and, like, I got it on film and everything for yeah. for archives and shit like that, but, like, yo, this never, that never happened. So yeah. that never happened? Or that's the reason, that's the reason that that happened? Yeah. Oh, we thought it was because of this and because of that. They didn't like this person. There was always animosity. Like, no, your grandma did this because that motherfucker said that and she cared enough to not, I don't want you ever to feel this yeah. particular. Like, who the fuck knew? You know what's interesting, though? Like, when he got so frustrated um, with 
everything that was happening, right? The family shit, the career shit, his book not selling, and he decided to write this book, um, you know, kind of mocking uh, what Issa's character, Centara, had written. I thought about something. I was like, yo, he has such an interesting family dynamic, and he has enough going on in his family that's dramatic that he could have written a very true-to-form book about his fam. But then I thought about it like, People don't want to hear about, uh, you know, upscale black family drama. They want to hear about the downtrodden poor black folks in the hood. Like, don't be wealthy or rich or upper class or middle upper class and tell me about your problems. And dude, because like, um, he wrote that book because, yo, know, I keep seeing Issa and getting all these awards. And I keep, I heard an excerpt from the book and it yeah. was like, Yo, no, she read an yeah. excerpt like through my shows, through the shoes on the telephone pole. Yeah. And like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, what are you talking about, dog? Like, the name of her book was called, like, it was like Eyes something. Eyes gonna be okay. Yeah, master. like it was something like so. I'm trying to find it in my notes, y'all, but it was something so just egregious, bro. It was like, yo, what? Like, what? Weez lives in the ghetto. That was the name of her book. And it was like, yo, fam, she's sitting in front of, like, when he went, when he first went to Boston and went to the book fair, and they was like, yo, the audience light as fuck. And they was like, yo, everybody over at Centaur's shit. And it's like. This is how, this is how, this is, I'll give you the feeling. This is how, if we had a hip-hop 50th mm-hmm. celebration, and you got Queen Latifah, you got MC Light, you got Roxanne Shante. Yeah. And we won't we gonna do celebrate them. We're gonna give them their flowers. And nobody in this bitch. We neck we go next door and it's sexy red up there. Mm. And everybody is telling you how much they like her because yeah. she's true to her authentic self. And she's talking about fuck my baby daddy and all the other shit like that. And you're looking like, yo, this can't be what's popping right yeah. now. Cause right? it hurt. It hurt. And the and I'm not telling you that you're wrong because you listen to to Sexy Red, but I'm trying to give the paint the the dichotomy of yeah. this, these two things. Somebody who is traditionally this way, and I'm coming to get flowers for this, and then like, oh y'all listening to this type of shit? Yeah, it's kind of like how y'all think about Taylor Swift. Mm. <laughs> Y'all mm. think she make trash music? I don't know what kind of music she make because I don't listen I to. Ain't heard shit. none of it. Yeah. You feel me? But like, people be offended. When they when you Beyonce tip yeah. like how the fuck do this bitch keep winning? Yeah. Not on this type of shit. We don't like if I feel like I do something better than you, I shit, I just keep it buck. I feel like we podcast better than a lot of popular podcasts. Not just locally popular. I'm talking about some of the biggest podcasts in the world. I feel like our shit, I feel like you and Dame shit is just markedly better. Period. I feel like I'm one of the greatest podcasters in the world. Like on a, no, no, on, no. On a I feel like I'm shit. one of the greatest podcasters ever. Yeah. Like, ever to exist in the history of podcasting. That's how I feel, right? Nobody else has to feel like that for me to feel like that. But then when I listen to some of the shit that niggas love, when I listen to some of the shit that people have made popular, that audiences are gravitating toward, and then more and more people hear about it and they start gravitating, and now them numbers is just growing. Yo, fact of the matter is, it's hate. Because I feel like I do this better than you. And I don't understand why so many people like your shit, but motherfuckers might not even know where to find my shit. You know what I'm saying? 
it's a it's a catch twenty two. It is because, and we just did low key. We just did it on this podcast yeah. when we was like, "Yo, eyes be duels this." Yeah, because we listened to that and we looked down on that shit. One hundred percent. Like 100%. I don't like, but how do I tell somebody who talk like that? You shouldn't talk this way. Yo, fam, I'm from Hooper City, Alabama. I have a whole side of my family that talks like that. Yeah. I don't change up when they come around. I don't switch up when they come around. I know exactly what they're saying when they're talking to me. And and that's the thing that him and Issa had a conversation. Yeah. Like, yo, I wrote it that way, but like I don't think this shit bad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't I don't look like that like I'm I'm making fun of you no know, people talk this way and they understand it this yeah. way. Now the other thing is what I what me and you talked about earlier today is like we know we two different people at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yo, the white motherfuckers is listening while yeah. you doing this shit and they one hundred percent look down. So it feels yep. like to me, you making something, even if you're not trying to, it feels like you making something that's palatable for them, yeah. and they can look at and or mock. And well, you pandering, yeah. You're, you're, like you're pandering, pandering to them, um, and like, oh, look at the poor black people who speak like this. And I think for him having that conversation with uh with from Monk talking to Centaur later in the episode because they were on this uh panel of judges who were judging the the book the of the Grammys, year shit. yeah, the Grammys for literary art, right? Um, and when he's having that convo with her. It's almost like, yo, I'm telling you you're pandering because I wrote the same book and I did it to pander. I did it to mock. I did it to literally make fun of the people who love this shit and like So to be honest, it's even deeper than that. Yeah. I read some of your book and I wrote something to mock your book. Mm. And now we are discussing the book that I wrote to mock your book. And you are agreeing with me that it's yeah. really, really bad. Yeah. So how the fuck do you not agree that your book is really, really bad? The thing that I'm mocking, yeah. we agreeing on all points. Because we, and don't nobody know I wrote the book. Yeah. You feel me? That was another problem that he had, though. He couldn't come out and outright say, yo, that Stag Ali was a pseudonym. I'm the author of that. So having to hold that in, now I have to kind of be mindful of how I'm having this discussion about yeah. the book. Because we tried to sweep it under the rug. I didn't think this shit was going. I didn't even want to put the book out. Yeah. But. I didn't think nobody would take it. But like. I mean that's interesting. Like how. And we. Me and you. Yeah. And we do this at work. I do it at work. Because you know. It's certain conversation you can't have at work. HR purposes. Right. Yeah. But while you in a casual conversation with somebody. And they drop certain keywords. You be kind of like. I think this nigga think like me. Come on. And then you y'all have like certain conversation. And yeah. over time you think like. Or I think I'm comfortable enough to share this experience, this yep. this this opinion, and they would agree with it. Yeah. And I think that's what was happening, but they was having two different conversations. Yeah, yeah. Because like I thought you was gonna be agreeing, and he got comfortable enough. Like so, because they was having a dope like back and forth. The rapport was cool till it wasn't. Because when he said, "Yo, so can I ask you a question?" <laughs> And promise not to get offended, but as soon as you tell somebody, please don't get offended, they're going to get offended because you're about to say something offensive. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yo, please don't get offended by this question, but how do you think so poorly of this book, but think so highly of the book you wrote that's very fucking similar, dog? Like, explain that. And to the point we made earlier, she didn't give a clear explanation of it. She didn't. 
because she knew she was full of shit. Or maybe she didn't know she was full of shit. Because I didn't, like, I got the impression that she a pretty smart girl. Yeah, facts. And, like, at first I thought she was up there 100% pandering. Yeah. Thinking she just she just getting off and this is an act. But, like, we've seen her be at a, the, uh, like, at home by herself yeah, yeah. on them conference calls looking like, and giving real feedback. I'm like, yeah. so, it don't look like you, this an act. But you know what, though? I think it says something, too. That it's kind of hard to critique your own shit. Yeah. It's hard for me to look at my book and say that this is similar to something I detest. What? I hate this one book. Look. You can't tell me my shit is like that. It's hard for me to critique my own podcast. Come on now. I hear feedback all the time. Come on now. I only... It's only certain people I respect their opinion. Yeah. Because you like, okay, you kind of... You know me. Right? Like, if you're a stranger and you're like, I don't like that. All right, nigga, fuck on. Yeah. I don't care. But, like, when somebody I know be like, I think you took it a little too far yeah. on such and such. Real you shit. Gotta get, and then I was like, all right, let me let me go back and clarify. Yeah. Because they got a baseline on me. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. And, like, there's certain opinions that, like, I value your opinions. Like, so when this pod goes up and does whatever the fuck you want to, I don't give a fuck if it's 20 million people who tell me I'm the shit, I'm the shit, I'm the shit. You should do this, you do this. But, like, the people who know me, is the only people opinion, not everybody who know me. Yeah, the people, my loved ones, are the opinions that I I actually appreciate. And like, okay, you can tell me I'm kind of tripping because, nigga, I, I care about how I'm viewed in your eyes. Yeah. I don't care about how I'm viewed in thousands of people who listen to the podcast eyes. I care about how I'm viewed in these five to six people eyes. I'm like, okay, I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I I was a little harsh. You know what I'm saying? This is my intent. I don't think I was uh, as eloquent. I didn't hit the mark. Yeah. I intended to do something. I did not. I do believe that my feelings are intact, but I did a horrible job explaining it so I understand where the pushback comes from or whatever um, the case may be. There's not been, we're almost 400 main pod episodes in and, you know, well into the 500s, if not further, on additional content. There has not been one time I left the studio and didn't wish I said something a little more clearly. <laughs> didn't wish I said something a little differently. <laughs> didn't wish I used a different word. Didn't yeah. wish I, I used it, a different tone, bro. Ain't it funny, dog? Well, this is funny for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I do the podcast and shit a lot. Man, in your regular everyday life, you say words correctly. Man. You can find the correct wording to say to get this point. But when you're on the pod, it's like... Um, what's the fucking word? Dog, it just don't like, come to you like crazy. that no more. And it's so even like on the way to the pod, like depending on what we're talking about, I already start thinking about shit I want to yeah. say in my head, points I want to make on the pod, and it's very clear. And then we might get up here and get on the mics, and I might forget how I said it, what I thought about it. I might forget the word I used, the adjective. Yeah, it just comes, but. You're like, damn, I can't even remember the fucking word, man. Yeah, man. Come to, it'll come to me soon, and then it don't come to me till I'm in the car. 1,000%. <laughs> soon as you get back in the car and bend that corner, you're going to remember everything, yo, dog. Got sick nigga, though. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, it's... um, I'll apologize for that later. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> I apologize now, because I'm going to get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he said later Okay Man. I'll show you <laughs> Oh you think I'm sick now <laughs> Watch this uh. <laughs> uh, 
But um, no, dog. I I thought this movie, man, it was so it was so layered. Um, you know, even like down to uh, his relationship with uh, with Caroline, and uh, just kind of how he fumbled that. You know what I'm saying? Like she was when he met her, she had already read one of his books. Then he finds out. Yo, after they met, she come up to him and they go for their walk. She like, yo, I bought another one of your books. Like, Listen, I'm interested in you, bro. He fumbled it. Uh, hopefully he gets it back. But I feel him. Mm. Because I've had this feeling before. So me and a young lady live together. Yeah. I will come home or come in the house or go in the living room and she'll be watching um, one of the loving hip hops or one of those... One of those type shows. Mm-hmm. Now, literally, I used to tell her this. Like, I think less of you every time I see you watching this shit. Yeah. Like, now, was I literally meaning, like, I just think you a worse person? No. But, like, I'm like, ugh. Like, it's certain content that you just don't like and that Facts. you don't respect. And it's I'm not saying to say, like, yo, you were right for this. Yeah. But, like, I understand. Like, I think so highly of you and your guilty pleasure or whatever it don't feel like it feel like your regular pleasure, but <laughs> your regular regular pleasure is so your regular pleasure is funny. It just seems like so beneath what I would fuck with and like what you should like. I'm like, man, this shit just don't work. This why? Ugh, why? Yeah, and yeah. that's basically how he felt when I saw you reading the book that I wrote. Yeah, because I wrote it in such a nasty and mean place. I I wrote it to like no self respecting black person would ever find this good. Yeah. And you and this bitch eating it up, I'm a f- I'm hurt that but I you, missed the mark. <laughs> but you know what's funny too, right? You said, um, yo, I wrote this because no self-respecting black person would ever find this good. And then the irony in throughout the movie is I'm not writing this for black people. None of the people who love this shit are black. Everybody eating this up is white. Yeah. Everybody eating up this bullshit that I'm fucking literally writing to be sarcastic and ironic is white. Or or they're not black, right? And they're eating it up. So like he gets the seven hundred fifty thousand dollar offer from the fucking publisher, right? Yo, we want to give you this so we could print this and da da da. And when they had that call, um they get off the call and he talking to his uh, literary agent and and dog had a quote in there that I thought was a bar. He said, um white people think they want the truth, but they don't. They just want to feel absolved. But then I thought about the fucking irony of that. That's the only reason you told that woman that did not know you cheated that you cheated. Yeah. You want to absolve yourself of the fucking guilt. Now you done ruined that motherfucking life. Keep that shit in your... Why the fuck would you come back and tell me some shit like that? But you know what the irony of of that statement is, right? Black people want that same absolution. I'm going to tell you why. Because the same reason we detest... These underrepresented recounts of black experiences in America, right? That's the same reason why we want so bad for them to show the other side of being black. Show the middle class. Show the upper class. Show the black wealthy experience. Show the educators. Show the people who've gone to school. Show the black doctors, black this, black that. Tired of movies about slavery. Tired of movies about civil rights. Tired of movies about post-civil war. I want to see all the other shit black people have done, right? It's because we want absolution too, nigga. We want that too because we feel guilty that, yo, we've been a part of this in some way, shape, or form. We've enjoyed these films in some way, shape, or form. We've been part of the underrepresented in some way, shape, or form. So I don't want to see that black experience because 
I might have had that black experience. So I resent it. So show where I'm at now. I work too hard. I got my degrees and I got this and I got that. I work too hard to get out the gutter. I don't never want to see that shit again. Show me the Cosby show. Show me a different world. Show me blacks going to college. We want the same absolution that white people do. We just want it for different reasons. It's crazy. That's a far. It's That's crazy. A and um, all these white folk, like they literally, even when he tried to change the name of the book on them, yo, like, cause I'm, I want out of this shit. I really don't want to go through with this no more. Like bro. I'm trying to do everything for this girl to dump me, and she is not dumping me. <laughs> what the fuck? Ah, like nigga, call it nigga. Let's. <laughs> I feel like that's Nas. So like, actually, yo, why'd you call this shit the nigger album? Actually, thought it was funny that they did not use that as a. I, I feel like I get why they use fuck, but I felt like calling that nigga actually would have fit right in the movie, dog. Yo, Nas knew he was on bullshit when he did that. <laughs> then wore the leather jacket on the red carpet. Like, fuck it. Yo, there was a brief period when I stopped liking Nas, and it was the. It was, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm being honest, because I hold the man in high regard, right? So when he was on the red carpet and he was on CNN with that jacket, him and his wife, they asked him, like, yo, Why'd you call this? I'm 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 waiting for the Nas answer. Yeah, I'm waiting for this super duper. He had nothing. <laughs> I hated that nigga album. You was waiting on <laughs> him to say some like fly shit about yeah. it, right? Yeah, and like it was parties niggas to death. Nope, nothing. And like I, I <laughs> that shit hurt me. <laughs> it hurt me to the core. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even appreciate the album for another ten years, nigga. <laughs> like because like no, I don't I don't want this version. I'm like, JC was right. God, is he oozy? He owe you for ice? Like, black girl but lost a shorty, owe you for ice? To the, to the Easter point, yo, sometimes when motherfuckers try to explain why they did some bullshit, they not explaining shit. They never answer it. They just regurgitate a bunch of fucking buzzwords, and it never connects. Intersectionality. Come on now. Come on now, because we not a monolith. We back there. Me and my homegirl and shit years ago, shit, probably 10 years ago, we would go into team meetings with like a little bingo sheet. Yeah. And uh and we would play a game like how many she think we can get off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So uh to your to your other point, um, let's do a deep dive and circle back later. Oh my god. Because I think what he's alluding to is if we really take a look at the KPI. Come on like, now. Don't get some KPIs in there, <laughs> like, bro. Like if we take a look at and you know, we do some more research and we can come back and circle around. Like whatever the it's a whole yo, bunch of yo, phrases. The circle back? <laughs> yeah, let's circle back on this Monday. Maybe we can connect again or <laughs> it'd be nine AM Friday and I'm gonna tell you, let's circle back Monday. <laughs> I don't wanna talk about this today. I'm finna corporate you to death, dog. Um, let's talk about uh that third act, man. Because I, I actually, upon rewatching this, dog, yo, it was some shit in there that was not related to most of the plots in the movies. But boy, I loved their um their housekeeper, man, and old boy, and the marriage, and just some of the scenes where, like, when she asked him if he minded walking her down the aisle, bro. Woo. Emotions, dog. I thought they was about to fire her. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they could afford her no more. Cause like, I, yeah, you can't, right? Yeah, and like even uh, you know, the scene where he went back to the house and she, it was completely dark, and he like, why the lights ain't on? She like, oh well, Lisa paid the light bill. Did you? <laughs> like, cause if not, the lights ain't gonna I be also on. Also, like bitch. you know, slavery's over. <laughs> We's free now. Issa got a book. Is we's? Is we's? I don't know, bro. Um. It was just, I, I think some of the scenes with her 
they felt good because they were kind of juxtaposed against their mom's health issues kind of deteriorating, right? And things going so in the opposite direction. We didn't necessarily get to see whatever love they might have got from their mom. And it was like, here's this housekeeper who, in most stories that we see, especially with black families, if they have a housekeeper, that person's always like the heart of the family and shit. This is in Boston. Yeah. I don't know that, like, Malcolm X was raised in, spent some time in Boston. His sister was from Boston. He's Mm -hmm. like, you read the autobiography of Malcolm X, like Boston, for this black family to be living the life they live in Boston, like, is is something. Yeah. It's that's not nothing. Yeah. I mean um, shit, this Harvard town. <laughs> like, and low key Malcolm X's sister was was kind of well off in Boston. Yeah. Cuz she used to help him out and do different like Yeah, he ran through the streets of Boston until he had to leave. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, but yeah, Boston is is an interesting. I've never been to Boston. I, I kind of want to go. One of my friends says she that Boston surprisingly has really good food. A good um, food uh my my previous employer, uh, when I used to travel for work, uh, I, I went to our Boston office a couple times. And dead in the heart of downtown Boston, it's really nice. I have been here. Now, didn't move around too much because Boston's still notoriously racist. And I ain't want to be that nigga. Kind of getting caught up. Next thing you know. Irish mob. <laughs> yeah, somebody asking me if I'm a townie or some shit. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay over here. But downtown... It was beautiful. I got it. And I also detest Boston. Shout out to the Lakers. Fuck the Celtics. Fuck the Patriots. Fuck all the niggas. But I had a good time, man. Boston's nice. Food was great. And it's like a, it was like really pretty there, dog. Like it was like a beautiful downtown area, man. So, um, but to your point, it's a lot of money down in Boston too. And to see a black family amass wealth and amass all these fucking like educational and guys and got money yeah. through education yeah like wasn't nobody a rapper wasn't nobody a, a baseball player or singer or no shit like that we yeah. got money and wealth and had this all through education and scholastic yeah right? um man a family of a black family of doctors like i actually thought the family this could have been two different movies if we being honest bro because the family aspect you can give me a part two on just what the fuck they used to be on. Uh, I think the the movie was so effective and it kept you engaged because there were two different things going yeah. on, but it didn't like topic wise. And when you when you break it down, like yo, you could give me a movie of both of those mm-hmm. things, but it didn't feel like I was watching two movies. Everything was like intertwined, and like I never felt like why'd y'all go back to this yeah. story, go back to this one. Like everything was just. But to whoever was a showrunner or whatever, yeah. if they got that, or but it was a it was a very human experience, right? Because this was him. Yes, I'm having all these conflicts uh, professionally and and kind of internally, but then, yo, I'm having all these conflicts with my family too, right? Because we going through some real shit. And I mean, again, going back to my father committed suicide. Going back to, um, oh shit, when when Erica uh, or. Mentioned like, yo, we don't really go over there because you know we heard the yeah, last guy. Some, somebody blew his brains out. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. It's that like, was weird. Yo, no, no, no. It that was, whole introduction. When her ex husband come through the door, I don't know this your ex husband. He heard a car pull up. He like, you expecting company? She like, yeah. Man, we sitting in the kitchen drinking wine, talking about my book, kind of flirting and shit. Who coming through here? Yo, Dog what? walked in the door. Yo, hey, how you doing? You stand for dinner? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, he said that. Stand for dinner? Like, nah, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Yo, that boy Monk 
guzzled the wine. <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm about to, thanks for the wine. Go, go, go. Thanks for, the, let me get the fuck on because what kind of weird shit are y'all into? Um, but I really like Eric Alexander's character in here too. Um, she kind of like, so after that awkward introduction, I appreciate that she came back around, apologized for the weirdness, explained, that's my, because you don't, everybody say, oh, I don't got to explain shit. Well, if you interested in me, let me know that that was your ex-husband. Also, and if you just don't want to be a dick and you, like, you care about, on, like, man. what people think about come you on, to, a, like, a strange, like, why would you, because it's, look, man, this makes me look bad. Yo, I realized he could have thought a lot about me that probably ain't even correct. Let me go over here and correct it. And make sure he knows what's really up. That's my ex-husband, not my current dude. We kind of, you know, working through our divorce or whatever the fuck we doing. And that's why he was there. It wasn't nothing like that. I actually really like you. And I want to continue to get to know you. And they did that for a while. And as his mother's stuff was deteriorating after his sister died and he kind of had to take over, um, she was supportive of all that. She had went back to Boston with him, like was kind of there having his back, doing a thing. He was at her crib. She was at his and then um, shit got a little tight because some of his brother said to him when he said, yo, there are people out there who want to love you. Let them. Sometimes you don't know how, dog. And that's a conflict in itself, bro. Yo, I, I realized last week I don't like when people say in and of itself. I don't feel like we need to say all them words. Like I feel like in itself would give me anything I need. Anyway, within itself or within itself, but in and of itself. Like, come on, dog, relax, Shakespeare. But when him and her got into it and they started back and forth, in, and then they have they little, you know, I guess breakup of sorts, right? Because he basically told her like, because she was like, "Yo, it started at the hospital when uh, the brother asked him, yo." How you getting all the money to afford this shit? And he ain't want to say, hey, I got a pseudonymic, pseudonymic character that I'm using to write these books and they selling and I got movie rights. I got all kind of shit. And he was really frustrated because that shit, he thought, I didn't think this was going to go on and, yeah. it, and it's going on. And I'm only doing it because at the very moment. I need this money. I need the money. They, bro, I just got $4 million for movie rights. I got another seven fifty three million. Dog, I got a seven fifty advance. Come on, for book right. I'm gonna make more than that when if, yeah, if bro, the book sold out. If the if the if the movie coming, you getting the book. Come on, man, and the initial crop of books sold out immediately. So yeah, I'm about to get. I just went from zero then, to a millionaire, bro. Then run this shit up on the podcast or the the, the audio yeah. numbers and shit like. And so when she followed up and she asked him, "Yo, how are you getting all this money?" That boy basically said, mind your damn motherfucking business, bitch. And the attitude and the resentment kind of started there. Because for him, I'm embarrassed to tell y'all. I don't want to own this. Also, it, it, <laughs> also mind your business, <laughs> like, We're not in the financial portion. Like, nigga, how you afford a beach house, motherfucker? Uh, like, that boy said, you my girlfriend, you not my accountant, or some shit like that. And it was like, bars. I mean, this week, we've been together... A couple weeks? Yeah, yeah. Month, maybe? Calm down the financial questions. Yeah. <laughs> just, a, just a smidge, why my you, baby. Also, why you think this is weird for me? Yeah, yeah. Like, why you think I ain't got no money? Or maybe I told you I was struggling. I don't know. Probably told her early on that this wasn't, you know. Oh, we you selling a house because I can't really afford this shit. No yeah, more. But like, and shit. If you've been here from when my sister died till now, might have come up in conversation that 
yo, I don't know how we gonna afford to do some of this shit. My sister was taking care of it all. Um, but I think that once they actually had that blow up at dinner and she told him to leave her crib, um But what's crazy is this. Um, he kinda like like what you like about this. Yeah. And she had like points. Cause she had a copy of Fuck. Yeah. The new book. She done bought all your other books, all the Greek mythology joints, and she, liked them. When she when she's talking about the fuck, like it's it's written well, cause nigga, you wrote it. Come on, man. Like even when you're trying to be bad, nigga, you still you wrote it. Yeah. All your bad stuff was in um, uh, language only and um, and circumstance only. Oh, you made him have a fucked up uh, position in life. Yeah. And you made the wording fucked up. But nigga, clearly you can still tell a fucking story well. Yeah. You can still develop characters. Like you you made these characters feel like real people. And they had a real conversation mm-hmm. that somebody can draw into. So they could have been in uh succession. They could have had that conversation in the boardroom. Yeah. Or they could be in the motherfucking ghetto talking about nigga, I'm your father. Bro, anything you write Luke, I am your father. Anything you write. But this was the problem though. She doesn't know. That he's the author of that. And he he won't tell her. I ain't going to say he can't because it's a pseudonym, dog. Tell her. Tell her. Like, fuck I've it. i told you, nigga. But. When it, I got the 750, like, yeah. we, we going somewhere nice tonight. Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yo, that that first room we stayed in, <laughs> we ain't staying there no more. But when he, um when she doesn't know and he can't tell her or won't tell her that he's the author of that, what he's preventing her from saying is, yo, no matter what you write, your talent gonna shine through regardless. Bullshit or not, you can intentionally write something bad and you still gonna write it better than 99% of these niggas. She would have said that had she known it was him, but the way she said it, all he's hearing is, she think my pseudonym nice is me? When in reality, boy, that's all you. Everything we talking about is you, but he don't wanna own that. Or nicer than me. Come on, man, what? Nigga, I ain't never seen you smile at my motherfucker. Well, of course, on. you ain't never seen me read none of your books. <laughs> and uh, she was like, yo, my friend bought that for me. Like, it's a popular book. My friend know I like reading. They bought me a book. Like, why you got this filth, nigga? Like, <laughs> and it's like, bro, I'm a part of that 750000 you got right now. And that four mil that's coming from these movie rights if Dog buys it. So, I even like the creation of the movie. Um, it, Yo, Adrian Brody killed. For, or not Adrian Brody. Uh, shit, that's the other actor. Dog name Adam Brody. Yeah, his dog name. Fam, I he was, was funny as hell, dog. I I'm a fan of him based off the OC. Remember when mm, the OC yep, was up? Yep, yep. Well, I don't know why I was addicted to watching that fucking show. <laughs> Nothing about me and my upbringing <laughs> says, says I should have been watching the OC. That's me and friends, so you know. But I, hey, I watched the fucking OC, dog. Yeah. That, that shit was just fucking good. And the little white girl that was his girlfriend on there, that, at the time, yeah, that was the only <laughs> white girl I had found attractive. I was like, yo, I like this woman. This motherfucker is cute. Like, I liked his girlfriend. Man, man. Not the, the main character, but the dude. Yeah, With yeah. the black, brown hair and shit. Boy, I used to love that fucking show, man. But it's, um, it's just Which so- really wasn't shit, but, uh, um, What's the shit with uh? Nine hundred two No, uh, it's the wow. This, I just put these things together with Spencer and oh, Tate all American. Diggs. It's all American, yeah. nigga. 
Yeah, like it's the it's it's all American. Like yeah. you're not supposed to be in this neighborhood. You know, we bring you out here, and you in a better life. Then yeah. you make the girl, yeah. and there's a brother, there's a friend. Like Nick, it's all American. Just white all American. Yeah. So it's the real all American. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, Tay Diggs dying on All American, like legit, is like one of the worst TV moments I ever had in my life. Like I was in the crib. Quiet for three hours. <laughs> I have no idea why I stopped watching All American because the shit was it was good. I I mean the plot kind of becomes you know very no. cyclical. Uh, but them niggas still in high school? No, nah, they in college now. Okay, uh, and it come back I think like April first or some shit. Oh, but shit. they in college now. It's nil deals. It's all kind of shit going on now. So shit's they've continued to make this a very entertaining story. But when Tay Diggs' character died, I legit like. I ain't know how me and Shorty was gonna get through the night, bro. Like we was inconsolable for like two hours, dog. Um, yo, man. Uh, so that third act of American Fiction, I think that's where we saw like the heart of the movie. Um, the relationship with him and and Caroline. Uh, the relationship with him and his brother. Yo, let's talk a little bit about Sterling K. Brown, man. Um, the boy is good, dog. He's he's just a he's a scene stealer in this movie, man. Um, his character was again nuance counter, nuanced as fuck, dog. Um, cause like, all right, he went on had this life with a woman, had kids with a woman, got married, all this shit. Whole time he was gay and hiding it, and got caught in bed with a dude. So you ended up being. We're doing the same thing that your father did. Yeah. You yeah. cheated on your wife. Yep. And your kids don't like you just like you didn't like your fucking kids. Crazy how uh, you can pass down some hereditary behaviors, right? Um, your kids hate you or detest you the way you detested your father when y'all found that he had letters from chicks he was cheating with and shit. And y'all realized he was a traveling fucking OBGYN. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta expect all the. I gotta expect the snatch. Expect yeah. the trim. Yeah, okay. I was like, wait, it's some pussy in Wyoming. No, I got a trip to Wyoming today. Like what? Like who in Detroit? Pussy? I'm there, dog. Like nope, nope. It's trim over there. Nah, we outside, dog. You know, and uh, Keith David was in this movie with yeah, the trim. I mean, <laughs> you got some trim. Why keep David growl every time he say the word? He's thinking the gargoyle and shit. <laughs> he think he's Goliath. He still think he's scarred. <laughs> like let it go, bro. You're not scarred no more. Calm down. Um, he was scar voice. Yeah, it's crazy. No, a legend for real, dog. Yo, they had Keith David and James Earl Jones in the studio, <laughs> being fucking Mufasa and Scar. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Beyonce could never. <laughs> Childish Gambino, what? Oh, shit. Um, yo, man, I thought Sterling K. Brown, uh, well deserved best supporting actor. Um, he was just really good in this movie, dog. And he has a, a moment when him and Jeffrey Wright are on the porch and he's giving him that let people love you speech. Um, it just felt so genuine, man. It, I was angry at that nigga character a lot in the in the movie. Like, Phil, what are you doing? Well, he was uh, wilding the fuck out. Why do you have a bump of coke everywhere you go? Let's start there. Life is in shambles because your life is in shambles on some daddy issues. The facts and unresolved daddy issues. Yeah, and you and like the thing that your kids hate you for is for you being yourself, man. But. Nigga, just break up with your wife. Nigga, you ain't got, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, 
But like the thing that you are hated and despised for and that's ruining your life yeah. is you actually living your truth. Yeah. And that got to be something hard to deal with. So you turn to drugs and young boys, apparently. It's also kind of wild when you think about it. Um, and I guess this may be more common than than not. If you live in a life like that, right, you might start to just kind of behave sloppily, which is what we see, and end up getting caught because you'd rather get forced into accepting who you really are than actually admit who you really are. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people do that, right? I don't want to come out and just say, this me, dog, take it or leave it. Because I'm kind of embarrassed, but if I'm forced into it and I kind of leave myself no room to fucking work around it, then, all right, I can deal. But you come to see your mom in that state, and then she say something. Did she say, I always knew you was, or I knew you weren't? No, she said, I always knew. Or no, no, no. She said, I knew you weren't queer. That's what she said. I knew you weren't queer. And then he gets upset, and he leaves. And I was just like, damn, you know, that's... It's also wild when you're when you have a loved one dealing with mental deterioration. Her brain is degenerative. Yeah. yeah. Um It's one of those times. Yeah. Can't find the fucking word. Yeah. Deteriorated live on the fucking pod. <laughs> he was gonna come back later and record like degenerative. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh shit! Be a, nigga, the background noise different. <laughs> that was gonna be the wildest punch in history. <laughs> it was gonna be like, yeah, man, this was a great degenerative. <laughs> um, but no, when when she's going through that, right? You think about when you have a family member dealing with some shit like that. It's kind of hard to respond because, in one instance, it's like, damn, man, she don't know what she's saying. In the other instance. Maybe she do, <laughs> and maybe she's for the first time being openly honest. I think I was lucid when I said this shit. <laughs> Degenerative. <laughs> That's how it was going. <laughs> Yo, I'm doing all my punches like that. For Yo, no, nah, that was fucking great. Oh, oh man, um. Yo, man, when when we finally get to that third act and, and they've kind of gone through the voting of now, the best book. Now, why would you invite them white boys to that fucking house, dog, on a wedding? Oh, day, my dog? God. Yo, yo, well, he was off coke. <laughs> Boy said, oh, shit, the wedding? Bitch. <laughs> and he was like, oh, when I told you I was going home, I didn't, I didn't really go leave. home. <laughs> I just came to the beach house. I thought you ain't had no fucking money, nigga. <laughs> well, that's why you go to the family beach house. He got enough money to buy coke. Drug addicts love having money to buy drugs. Man, niggas, if they don't got shit else, niggas who smoke cigarettes, the richest niggas I know. Come on, man, keep a pack. Yo, you know what? Uh, what if you smoke cigarettes in New York? Like, what, you gotta be a rich nigga. Like, what if people like kept enough money to like pay their credit card back? Like, like if we like paid bills back the same way we buy drugs. Like, no matter what, I always got weed money, right? But what if I always had money to pay my fucking credit card back? Like I should pay my credit cards instead of paying car insurance. Man. <laughs> my shit, I, just I ain't gonna lie, bro. I Every- just talked to these niggas the other day. I'm like, like, why the fuck did my car insurance go up by like $60 a month? Bro, my car nigga- insurance has crept up to $390, and I'm trying to understand. So I found out why. Apparently, remember when the Michigan passed that shit where if you use yep. your, you know you got to update that shit every six months? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Mm. So you got to basically, every time your policy renews, yeah. you got to re-sign that shit and send them a copy of your fucking uh, uh, 
medical insurance yeah, card and shit like that. You covered by your job and all that shit. I'm like, yeah. like I've been with progress. I'm emerald status. There is no other. High- I've been here so long. Yeah. I don't have a. Sp- I, nigga, I have. I haven't got a ticket for anything. Yeah. Since 2011. Okay. Like. There's nothing has changed in my house. My house is on the same shit. I'm like, she like, ah, oh, yeah, I kind of. <laughs> She's like, I don't really see why it yeah. um, it went up either. I'm like, y'all gotta, you gotta tell me something, because uh, like that's a lot of fucking money, bro. I'm never giving Progressive four hundred dollars a month. Now, what's funny? My insurance used to be way back in the day when I was a demon on the streets, four hundred and thirty dollars a month. But I knew at the time why the shit was so high because I got fucking speeding tickets and DUIs and all kind of wild shit. Nigga, I don't back, move like that no more. Back in 2015, when I had a 2015 Silverado, yeah, I was living in Southfield, my car insurance was 105. dollars mm. I was living in 48033. Okay, like that zip code specifically. Is the good zip code? Yeah, I'm just living in the fucking apartment. It just happened to be yeah. in, in the zip code with the <laughs> with we'll the, with the yeah. nice one because four zero zero seven five and four zero zero seven like in it Southfield is yeah. different. Yeah. I found out that when I was living in Royal Oak on one side of Catalpa, it's lower entry lower lower insurance rates than the other side because there's okay. a there's a line of demarcation in every city where this is where the people that we really like and finance. Long story short. I have no idea when my shit went up. Yeah. And that was closer to the time that I was fucking up. <laughs> you feel me? So what's funny, just two years ago, my shit was $190. So to creep up to fucking 390 has been like, wait, what? I'm like, nigga, my shit ain't been broken too. My shit ain't had no car accident. I ain't put no I, I, I ain't put no claim in. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Now my shit got broke into twice, but I still use my parents' zip code because I'm never telling them I live downtown. Uh, so, so how they do that for downtown niggas or for Detroit people yeah. in general? It's the five digits and those mm-hmm. extra four digits. Oh yeah. So if you live in those, oh, yeah, I know about that 2021 because yeah. that's my four. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they might they might be like, no, why people live down here? You might, you might you might look up <laughs> until they realize, oh, that's a block away from where his shit got broken to <laughs> twice. <laughs> no. <laughs> That part. So I never was gonna get him that, but all that to say, uh, how how we get on insurance? I don't know. It don't fucking matter. Look, man, the movie is fucking great. I um clearly a lot of different conversations can come of it. Um, I thought the third act was brilliant. I thought the ending was fucking genius. The one dude that kept being shown and act and was at the movie studio when he left, it was like. Oh, the uh, the hat on the slave. Yeah, plantation. Get, yo, why was that movie called Plantation Annihilation? <laughs> yo, they was wild. Man, they that, no, no, we gotta meet you, my nigga. Yo, but what was wild? Yeah, <laughs> what was wild, dog? Uh, he gave him the peace sign. He wearing the you know the field you know uh, field slave he clothes. Felt bad for him, but like he gave him the peace sign and he had the AirPods in. <laughs> And I just thought that was wild. Because look at the gear yeah. and then look at the fucking AirPods, man. Um, but he got his movie bought. His brother got a haircut at the end. Like, yo, I was like, oh, that, they recorded this in post. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> Sterling K. Brown and that fro was not, it ain't the same nigga. But um, 
Yo, man, I just, I really enjoyed this movie, dog. I, I thought it was actually way better the second and third time around. Um, and we didn't even tap on all the stuff because it's nah, just a lot, nah, man. It's, it's, you have to, if you haven't seen it, congratulations because we've been potting uh, for about two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and you really one of the ones. Yeah. Um, 214. But you got to go see it. Cause you got to see it, man. It's a lot to discuss in this movie. Um, and hey, we got a couple voice notes. Oh, yeah. Couple of them uh, that I gotta Rob make Silvers. sure. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, Rob no, Rob. I'm playing this immediately, brother. I hope you ain't think I wasn't gonna get to this because um, yo, Rob still listening. Like, what up? These niggas ain't yo, <laughs> Rob. Like, dog. Rob, I like, swear I to make, God, he said, "Listen, I'm gonna break my lifelong promise not to say nigga. <laughs> if you niggas don't put my fucking voice, in my- <laughs> no, nah, we about to edit. Just put Rob voice note at the top of the. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna record Rob voice note in Siri voice. <laughs> Rob voice now coming through like degenerative. <laughs> Rob Silver, what up, brother? Hey, what's happening, pod gods? Um, American fiction. I don't understand why people criticized this movie when it first came out. First and foremost, if you guys notice in the history of cinema, whenever you have a cast loaded with greats, it is very, very hard to fuck up that movie when you have a great cast kudos to Cord jefferson the writer and director of this movie talk about having an incredible uh motion picture debut as a screenwriter and director he hit a home run out the park i know it was based on a novel but his adapted screenplay was just tremendous and then you have the cast I've seen Leslie Uggam since I was eight years old on when she was on Roots, when she played Kizzy. She's been damn near phenomenal in everything I've ever seen, in, seen her in. She's a goddess. She's a legend. And she played an Alzheimer's elderly woman to a T. She was phenomenal. She was phenomenal. I mean, she was amazing. Um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown. Most deserve it of their Oscar nominations. I don't think Jeffrey's going to win. I think Bradley Cooper, who uh, is the definition of what you, Jay, was asking a few months ago on the pod. Are there any major movie stars out here today? Bradley Cooper's that dude. And I haven't seen Maestro. Not my type of movie. But... uh I I would bet the house if I was a betting man that he's winning that Oscar. I hope I'm hope I'm wrong because Jeffrey Wright put in an Oscar winning performance. But I'm not going to say Jeffrey got robbed because I haven't seen my Maestro, not my type of movie. But Bradley Cooper is that dude. Back to American Fiction. Um, by the way, Tracy Ellis Ross. I wish she had more time on the screen. She was phenomenal. She bodied her role. I love the dynamic between her and Jeffrey Wright as brother and sister. This movie hit home, fellas, because I saw a lot of me in Jeffrey Wright's character. The older I've gotten, the more I've noticed that I have traits of my father's that people do not like. I have anger issues like my father. I have impatience like my father. I see myself being a lot like my father and the crazy part is fellas is that my father was 52 when he's died when he died i'll be 56 in four months 
So it less than four months. So it's crazy. I outlived my father, but I have similar traits with his anger, with his impatience, and with being cold. And Jeffrey Wright, they kept telling him, Sterling K. Brown, even his mother in her dementia state was telling him that he has a lot of uh, similar characteristics to her husband, his father. Um, and the way he deals with his mother and his anxiety and his uh, fear of his mother losing her mind. I've been taking care of my mother since 2000 when my father died, going on 24 years now. And you guys know about the uh, health scares she's had the last few years. I mean, I'm scared to death of losing my mother, just like Jeffrey Wright's character in American fiction. Um, and I also loved the uh, the way Jeffrey Wright's character looked at blacks being portrayed um, in motion picture and in books. And it played a lot into him with his alter ego. Um, I thought the ending was cute. Um, Erica Alexander was tremendous. Um, kudos to the entire cast. I mean, even Adam Brody as the sleazy movie producer, uh, uh, movie executive. Everybody was great. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross, Leslie Uggams, Sterling K. Brown in another phenomenal, phenomenal role. Um, Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown, uh, Sterling, they body everything they do. And I remember, Jay, a few years ago, you compared Jeffrey Wright to Giancarlo Esposito in the in the roles they take and how they command the screen every role they're in. And I always said, you know, I wish these two were in a movie together. And then I realized right before I sent this voice note that the two of them did a movie together. Mm-hmm. And they both were tremendous. Giancarlo Esposito played Muhammad Ali's father, Cassius Clay Sr. in Ali. And in that same movie... Jeffrey Wright embodied Muhammad Ali's longtime best friend um, and photographer, Howard Bingham. He had the stuttering, everything, the mannerisms, everything of Howard Bingham down pat. So uh, kudos to this great movie. I'm going to sit back and enjoy this uh, review. I know you guys are going to kill it. Um, Once again, peace and blessings. Peace, Rob. Peace, Rob. Um... You you summed it up well, man. This cast was brilliant. You know, Adam Brody was um the director didn't verify this, but they said he was basically supposed to be Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> um, it was like this was the kind of that. this was the the nod to some of the ridiculousness of some of Tarantino's approaches to black people in his films. And um, yeah, man, I I just thought he killed it. Um. And this cast worked really well together, right? Uh, even Issa, so I didn't know she would come back around at the end and be a little more prominently involved in this. And when they had her, to your point about them having them uh, uh, conference calls and then their board meetings and stuff yeah. when they were doing the voting, she was bodying the acting, dog. And like I, I think that that kind of stood out for me because we get so used to Issa as Issa on Insecure. Yeah, when we get an opportunity to see her, this had nothing to do with romance, relationships, none of that type shit. Even like from the photograph, like wasn't about that for her character. So it was just nice to see her. I would like to see her in more roles where she's just a like a random person. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like to be hired, 
like for an example, like in this movie, I'm assuming she was hired strictly just for acting. Yeah, I didn't write, yep. I didn't produce. I, I'm, I'm an actor. Yeah, yeah. And um, I would love to see some of that for her. Not that I don't want her to keep writing and yeah, yeah, and create your shit. Yeah, but it was just dope to see her. Well, I guess the Barbie movie. Forgot she was in Barbie. I didn't and, watch it, but I know yeah, she's in it. She's in Barbie, and she was in that that movie that was on Netflix that came out right when the pandemic started. It was like a killer something with her and a oh, Indian we, dog. You said Indian. Um, what's the movie that we like with uh, Indian Queen of Slim? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. watched it. <laughs> so that that movie's actually really bad. Um, yeah, I, I hated I hated the idea of it. I'm as I'm saying that y'all want to see more movies with her. I was like, yeah, I'm not watching it. <laughs> yeah, it was that was not good. But that said, she was still in it and she had a different type of role. But this role really fit her, man. This made and, me um, want to see her in other shit. Yeah, uh, we got another voice note before we wrap up, man. From my man E. Ern, what up, though? Oh, hold up, wrong one. All right, Ern, what up, though? And Jay, what's the word, fellas? It's your man, Aaron. Just wanted to get in this quick voice note. I saw the post about American fiction, and I want to talk about that. You know, this movie is one of those ones, man, where if I'm being honest, I didn't even want to go see it at first. I saw the cast, and I was like, love these actors, you know what I'm saying? But this trailer isn't really drawing me in, so I didn't want to go see it. But one day... I was around the movie theater and I saw the poster for it and I stood for like 10 minutes in front of it, but I was like, okay, Jeffrey Wright, my dog Sterling K. Brown, who in this movie, man, acting his fucking ass off. So I, I was like, okay, you didn't like the trailer that much, but look at these actors. You admire almost every actor who's in this movie. Don't be dumb. Just go and see it. If you don't like it, you pay $5. So what? Went to go see it. And by the second scene, like, I was locked in. Like, it was amazingly written. And then the cast, like I said, it's an all-star cast of actors, actors. Like, people who really do this shit. Like, they take this seriously. They were all in the movie. And almost every scene had something happen, whether it was funny, whether it was serious. That had me like, damn, they really did that. You know what I'm saying? And since I saw it, I tell almost every person I can, go watch this. Go watch this. It might seem slow, but go and watch it. You will not regret it because they did the damn thing. So salute to them. Salute to that cast. Salute to the director. Hope you do more. And yeah, shout out to American Fiction. Earn peace, man. Um, yo, y'all heard him. Go see it, man. Check out uh American fiction. Salute to everybody involved. I'm also uh gonna order the book Erasure that it was based off of. Um, came out in like I think 2011 or maybe 2000. Yeah, I think 2011. Um, but it's about Monk, who's an English lit professor, and you kind of just get a little more detailed background on him. And then, you know, uh, Dog, who directed this, uh, Cord Jefferson, kind of took that book and created the movie. And um, I, I just, I love when there's a movie about a book I haven't read so I can kind of see 
how they were similar, how they were different, and and really just kind of see where the inspiration came from. So, um, yeah, man, uh, American fiction, everybody bodied it. I think it's worthy of all uh, the awards that it's being nominated for. I know the SAG Awards are happening right now, um, which are usually uh, kind of a precursor for on Netflix. The SAG? Yeah. Oh, shit. Like last night when I was looking, when I watched Mia Copa, I wanted yeah. to think it said the Screen Actor Guild Awards. Oh shit! So like I don't know if they if they've been taped or if it, it yeah. was, it was late as fuck. Did, so like it a live be, or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, the SAG Awards specifically for movies are usually um, indicators of what's going to win or at least has a good chance of winning at the Oscars. So um, just interested to see how this performs, whether it wins or not, though. Um, doesn't make it any less great, man. Uh, great film, great cast, the great 30th director. Annual Screen Actors Guild. Okay. It was recently added. Okay. So maybe they Oh, just... so yeah. It said stream yesterday, stream live yesterday. Okay, so. yeah. That's, yeah, man. So, you know, Netflix trying to get on their live shit, huh? Hey, Netflix got to figure out different ways to get this bag because they, they lose their money on everything they need to they figure do. out how to make this shit worth the $22. Shit. Yeah. Yo, somebody said... I know J. I got I got fucking Netflix back. Somebody said I know J and B got in the car after the Mia Copa premiere and rode in silence for a minute. And Beyonce finally said, "What should I say when she asked me about the movie?" <laughs> you know what she should say? New lawyer <laughs> or degenerative. <laughs> Hey man, um, yo, that's all we got for y'all. I, I excellent fucking pod, man. Uh, I love when we get movie reviews, bro. Like I, I think I've started to realize that that movie reviews feel a lot more refreshing than some of the show reviews do. Um, so yeah, man, let us know what y'all thought about the pod. Hit us up this week in culture pod at gmail.com. Follow us across all the socials at this week in culture, man. And uh, until next week, yo, man, it's about to be wild to go from this to BMF. BMF come on next week, March first, Friday, I think. Um. So, yeah, we got BMF uh, Patreon subscribers. We got more of them Vince Staples joints coming soon. Um, and if you're on the main pod, uh, you know, maybe y'all get blessed with the Vince Staple content, you know, down the road. But if you want it now, it's on the Patreon. So let us know uh, what y'all thinking, what y'all watching, what's going on in y'all worlds, man. Just hit us up. Love to all y'all. Love to all the listeners. Appreciate you. I'm Ant. That's Jay. This Week in Culture, episode 364. We out.